I have a picture with me and Ashley Judd where I'm wearing a Spawn t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Scher. Hello. And a week after the fact, we're going to talk about the Oscars here. Welcome. And most importantly, congratulations. Hollywood, you look so lovely tonight, but do you feel lovely tonight? My grandma would want me to button up. We are the only profession that celebrates what it means to live a life. This is a huge confluence of luck and opportunity. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Uh, we weren't we weren't quite able to get a mini pod yeah. in there like that's that's asking too much. <laughs> we we love you guys, but that's asking too much. Um, anyway, um, the Oscars happened, uh, you know, last week, and uh, there was almost no surprise whatsoever until it got to the end of the show, which of course we'll talk about. <laughs> that was uh, a surprise. That uh-huh. was a surprise. Um. Uh, so uh, before we get into that and everything, what did you guys think of this Oscars overall? Jimmy Kimmel and uh, whatever. I thought he did a good job. I think so too. Are we in the minority? I don't know because I when he was when he was finishing up his opening monologue, I tweeted out like I I'm pretty sure he just killed. Yeah. And like it seemed like it got a lot of agreement. Um. It's just yeah. It's such a thankless job. It's like being president. Yeah. Right. Nobody's <laughs> but, ever gonna be like, oh, you're so great. But like, nobody. So nobody ever gets great reviews for doing the Oscars. Right. Nobody does. Even I mean, and then like the only ones who do are people like Billy Crystal, and even like see like Billy Crystal back in the '90s, that was good. Mm-hmm. Billy Crystal, and then he came back for like one like I don't yeah. know how many years ago it was, and everybody's like, thank God, Billy Crystal, and I'm like sitting there going, eh. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, he wasn't any better than what Steve Martin or, you know, no. or, you know, a lot of these people that you shit on daily yeah. or yearly every time well, that they They did have some tire fires from like uh, the uh James Franco and Anne Hathaway yeah. and stuff like that. And then people said that Dave Letterman's was a tire fire, but Which, I loved it even at the time. I did too. I don't understand. Well, the thing is about David Letterman and the same thing I think it applies to Jimmy Kimmel here. It becomes his show. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, because that Oscars telecast was about 500 Matt Damon jokes. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think, is a little bit distracting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am culturally aware enough to know about their friendly, stupid rivalry. Yeah. Not everybody is. Mm-hmm. And it, this is just too much corporate synergy because we're on ABC and Kimmel's got the follow-up special. And so let's make sure we talk about the follow-up special and the show that, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it was a little pervasive for me. But I did like... I, did, I liked how the show opened with a musical number that wasn't the host. Like, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal always famously did songs about the Best Picture nominees and then would go into a more traditional stand-up type monologue. Here we get Justin Timberlake. Yep. Badass. Yep. Awesome dude. Yeah. 
coming in, high-fiving Denzel on his way across the front row. I freaking loved how it opened. I loved yeah. it, too. There were, that actually got negative reviews, too. I don't get that. But how saying, does that like, get negative reviews? All right, so first of all, obvious backing track, where he just kind of just okay. drops off, which I thought was a little bit distracting, but like... You know what? Fine. That's everybody uses that. We're all aware yeah. that nobody's singing all of their own shit. <laughs> and you know, it was just like this it, straightforward, like him performing the song that everybody knows. But it got people off their feet. Like people were you into see how it. How happy those famous people were. They exactly, were like, man. I think everybody fucking loves Justin Timberlake. Yeah. At, at, I mean, at least. All famous people do. Like, it felt like the first 20 rows were starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> At least the and famous And he was people. having so much fun. Yeah. And I love the dancing. And like, I'm just totally, completely gay for Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Um, but I loved that they mixed it up. And what's weird is that, why, like, why did we not get a performance of every nominated song? We got the Moana one, and then we got the La La Land medley. But there was a fifth song. And then the Sting song, too. But yeah, there was but a fifth one. But he didn't perform that, it. Yeah, he did. At the Oscars? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. Must have been in the bathroom. It was a blink and you miss it. Like yeah, it's just I him. It. It's just him sitting on the with his weird like guitar stance. It looks like almost a sitar. Now, yeah, it's like the like, cover of every album of his, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, but uh, it, I mean, it wasn't memorable. I don't. I, that song is perfectly fine. But, okay, so uh, I was wrong. Then it wasn't. But but, but I know you're not a John Legend fan. No. <laughs> and I've never agreed with you is until he, this performance. Is he better than Rush? Yeah, he's better than Rush. Damn, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I mean, that is the exact wrong vocal type for those songs. Those songs were written for homely singers like Emma Stone. And you know what I mean? I can see the counter argument. City of stars. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) This is a gentle, tender song. And we've got like Mr. Vibrato over here. I know. I mean, if you put anything in his mouth, (laughs) it'll Mm. be fine. And I think I know somebody who does put things in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like. He's got a perfectly fine voice. Rush are amazing musicians. They play their instruments better than 99% of the entire planet. But for whatever reason, it doesn't land for me. And it was the same thing with him. Man, there's just, even though he's such a genuine cat, like when you see him in interviews and like he seems really down to earth and everything, the way that he presents himself, I know I'm in the super minority, but like the way he presents himself seems a little bit kind of too sheeny like it, it's fake to me a little bit mm-hmm. and i know that's not his intention obviously but it's just too much style especially for those fucking songs which the whole reason that people emotionally connected with them is that there wasn't a whole lot of style right to it. right it was more fragile yeah. and i wouldn't be surprised if ultimately you know emma stone and ryan gosling didn't want to put themselves in the spotlight as actors even though they can sing and sing in the movie to do it live yeah yeah and you oh, know, it would have been fun and everybody would have forgiven them for whatever they did and that that's why I, that's why i think you should just go ahead and let them sing the songs or whatever yeah maybe they said no maybe they asked them and they said no well you had the the actual performer uh, i'll butcher her name but it was um Alana Ali- girl Ali'i Cravalho, mm-hmm. and she was fucking awesome. Adele, yeah. Adele Dazeen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, because uh, Alessia, Alessia Cara does the, the pop version of it, and that's awesome, too. She's a great performer, but the original in that in that movie is just so much better. Like, everything about it is so authentic, and then when you popify it, it just strips away all the fun stuff with it. So this Oscars was probably the most socially conscious Oscars that I have seen in some time. And that's not a surprise mm-hmm. considering, you know, you know, this is a, a liberal community for the, for the most part. 
So it, it came down except from, for Kevin Costner, except for Kevin Costner <laughs> and Mel Gibson and Mel Gibson <laughs> and uh, and uh, probably Tim Allen, if Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, 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 Kelsey yeah. Grammer. You're listing all the right ones, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, it came down from the nominations. It came to the winners. Uh, now on this on this very syncast, I was sort of debating whether or not Mahershala Ali should even get nominated for Moonlight because mm-hmm. he was in it for so little time and this is more about me trying to figure out who would you usher out for ben foster who i think is in more of the movie and has required more of him to do it or anything i have no problem with herschel ali winning by Mm. the way he's great in that movie but um anyway he won and you had uh, viola davis finally winning and that was a great thing and everything uh the the love for moonlight i don't quite understand and you know what i sound like a dick because this is a movie that uh honestly has been you know has been kind of ignored by academy and everything for years so it's it's win is very important it's something that i feel like should be done Mm -hmm. but compared to all these other movies i like most of the other movies in that category more than moonlight Mm. um and uh, and I just and it seemed like it came out of nowhere after after and we'll get to the confusion here in a minute but uh, after it won suddenly I saw everybody cropping out of the woodwork saying man what a great movie this was it certainly deserved to win I'm like where were you fuckers before <laughs> I've never I've have barely know any anybody else who's seen this movie and now <laughs> well, sudden, they make fun of that in the, in the monologue yeah, right? yeah now suddenly there's a million you know people who are like yeah man I champion this movie everywhere I go <laughs> um anyway the yeah the confusion at the end which is no I mean no longer confusion I think there's there's one glaring if we were to sin the uh ending of this uh so warren Beatty and faye dunaway come out and they and they're presenting best picture and it's this 50 years of bonnie and clyde and all that and uh and so like warren Beatty opens up the envelope and and he's just like and everybody thinks he's doing the old bob barker thing yeah yeah where it's like you know he's like doesn't want to say the uh, answer all of a sudden and you hear Faye Dunaway going you're impossible and all this other type of stuff. Um, they gave him the uh, duplicate best actress in a leading role and yeah. they make two of these. She was holding one backstage and then they gave him the other one. Yeah, because apparently they have this situation where like on both sides of the backstage or whatever they have one of each or whatever oh so that if i guess so that if one comes through the other side they can give them that but it obviously obviously every internet detective in the world came up and 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 zoomed in on the envelope and it does say best actress in a leading role but the thing i'm gonna sin on this this is an actual sin on the sin cast (laughs) uh warren Beatty sees that it it says emma stone la la land and he doesn't turn and say this is the wrong envelope yeah right instead of that he goes Faye, you read it and she just like looks down and says just say la la land you stupid asshole and then fucking it ju- i mean everybody goes up and like yeah that's what we all expected la la land was gonna win this and everything and then yeah the i did i was just sitting there like i was just sitting there on my phone after it won you know the the speeches i don't really care about mm. at all um 
And then suddenly, like, I, I I didn't see all the confusion in the background and all the other type of stuff. And it wasn't until the guy goes, we lost, by the way. Yeah. That's when I looked up and I was like, what? <laughs> and that's when all this it is. The guy goes, he goes, Moonlight, you're the guys that won. Yeah. Come up to stage. No, this is not a joke, you yeah. know, and all that. And so, yeah, uh, so Moonlight won. And uh, it's it's dumbfounding to me, like, how that happens. Well, what's funny is that people were drawing parallels in, like, the two different endings of La La Land. Yeah. Where, like, you get the best of both worlds. Did you hear about that theater in England yesterday? Or I think it was yesterday that for a showing of Moonlight started playing La La Land and then <laughs> stopped it a few minutes in and played the right movie. <laughs> and there was, of Those course, pranksters. there was, of course, all the fake news stuff, too, where CNN, <laughs> like, immediately announced La La Land won on their website. And then, and then you know, oh, people shit. had the, had the like, you know, the, the screen capture yeah. of it. And I guess CNN is fake news after all, guys. I will say, though, that whole snafu I read today spared us yet another Matt Damon joke to end the show. Yeah. Because it, that's what it was. Getting. He was going to close the show and sign off while sitting next to Matt Damon in the audience and making a crack about how everybody won, but Damon tonight, <laughs> well, which and, isn't very funny anyway. Well, it's not funny, and he already made that joke. Yeah. just before the best pictures were nominated, like the the whole yeah. category. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, Moonlight is a complex type of, of feeling for me. I I. I'm glad a movie like that can win best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also, I'm also a little, I mean, I, I don't think it's best picture, you know? And, and it'll be maybe like a Shakespeare in love over saving private Ryan situation. Yeah. Although like, I think in this case, I think there was a, a, a conscious decision on this one where Shakespeare in love was more of a, I don't know. I think that was more politicking. A, yeah, yeah. That was a sort of a campaign type of thing going on with Shakespeare in love. Uh, plus it had like so many, so many actors in that movie. Whenever you see like a movie that has a lot of actors in yeah. it, usually that one wins. Why Crash Beat Brokeback Mountain? Spotlight, yeah, Spotlight and everything. But this was Moonlight's completely different. You know, Spotlight, Moonlight. Um, the uh, I had, I actually predicted Moonlight was going to win uh, about halfway through, and the reason why this is is when the screenplay awards were announced. Mm. It's very rare for a movie to a uh, best picture to not win screenplay Mm -hmm. and when la la land did not come out of that adapted or original i think it's original Mm -hmm. it didn't come out uh, of those categories winning the award because manchester by the sea won the original and and moonlight won Mm -hmm. adapted i uh i i turned i turned to the people i was with and i was like uh that seems to point towards moonlight possibly winning this Mm -hmm. um and, and the last best picture that didn't win screenplay was the artist, and that's a silent movie. Yeah. Um. So, so I, I was, uh, but then the you know then they gave the director to Damien Chazelle. I was like, okay, so it's really kind of a toss up. Seems like kind of, but I don't be shocked if they they announce Moonlight. Yeah. And of course, all this bullshit happens when <laughs> La La Land. And I was like, okay, well, that's what everybody expected. You know, let's move on with our lives. But it's yeah, it's, it's it's very rare when that happens. So it was it was kind of a uh, you know that was a that was an interesting little precursor to you know sort of like okay, <laughs> there's a lot of movies vying for that best picture yeah. at the end. There's a lot you know Manchester by the Sea is probably in there you know with some people. What about the uh, bits, the vignettes in there? Did you guys like that? Like the uh, him bussing in the tour bus people, which no. apparently was real, right? Yeah, yeah, because the, one of the guys was like a 
an ex-con been in jail for like 30 oh, years really like the guy that denzel married or whatever <laughs> was like a recent ex-con he recently got out of prison oh, shit. Uh, the thing about these little vignettes and skits and stuff every year there's a joke about how this show goes way too long yeah and then they'll do these like montages and stuff like that like if you take out all the montages and the like when they announce best supporting actor they've got the screen up there here's all the other people who've won best supporting yeah. actor let's remember them for a yeah. second it's like if you could just take those out you would probably gain 15 to 20 minutes yeah yep. take out the dropping snacks from the ceiling on the crowd yeah three times these people are goddamn millionaires right. and there i guarantee you is lavish food and alcohol all over that fucking building if they want a bite to eat they get a seat filler and they'll go have a bite to eat yeah, yeah. you're just junior men's paid you or something I don't, it was really annoying but yeah you i always think Every time I hear, every year I hear that joke the, about the show going on so long, and I'm like, yeah, you just added to it with a tired joke. Yeah. You could have saved 20 seconds just, <laughs> just by not making the same observation again. Yeah. For the record, I have never been upset about an Oscars telecast going too long. I, I'm a movie person, so mm -hmm. I could watch Oscar stuff just because it just steeps you into that, you know, it steeps you into that movie adulation type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could watch it uh, until two o'clock in the morning if I had to. Mm. It's just one of those type of things. Um, but if you're going, if you want to shorten the broadcast, you need to start cutting those things out. Yeah. I remember back in, I think it was the 94 Oscars, which was the David Letterman yeah. one. They cut out the actor skit, uh, the actor uh, clips mm. on the Oscar thing. So they were just showing the actors. Oh, yeah. And that was a wrong move. I was I was like, you left, you took those out, which is something that everybody loves, yeah. and you left all the other bullshit in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it didn't make the Oscars any any less of a you know, it's still a long show and everything like that. Why don't you cut out the bullshit instead of the other stuff that people like? That's yeah. a weird thing. Also, can you imagine being nominated for a performance that's real like gut wrenching? Like they had, I think for. When Casey Affleck won, they had like his heart wrenching scene in Manchester by the Sea, mm -hmm. where like I think it was in the pol the police station scene, mm -hmm. and like they're watching this. It's in the middle of this performance. You know they have to work themselves up to and like really get in that emotional space, mm -hmm. and then it's like cuts to them in like an evening gown. Yeah. Or, like, a yeah. it's like hey, hey all right, <laughs> thumbs up, baby. That was probably uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but of all the socially conscious things that happened at that show, the awarding of Casey Affleck was not yeah. the socially conscious thing to do. Nope. Um, there was a discussion that Denzel Washington might end up winning this, especially since he won, won the SAG award um, that because of Casey Affleck's troubles outside of the movie and everything that you know it, it might end up costing him but yeah. they ended up awarding him anyway now this is another complex thing for me because I don't think you should say that the, a performance is not good because of something else that happened in the past no by all accounts at that period, this was the, all this stuff is coming up from when he was doing that "I'm Not Here" thing yeah, with yeah, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, and from all accounts, regardless of criminal activity, he sounds like an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. least at that point of time. Now it's been another five years or whatever it's been since then. Maybe he's grown up, but you can't deny that performance, man. That's what I'm you saying. You just can't. It's it's an all timer. I mean, if I think <laughs> it's that's one of those really hard things to discuss in a in a it's a it's a tough thing to discuss 
smartly because no matter where you go with it, you sound stupid mm. on it. Uh, I just want to leave it there. I don't think that someone, I think if you're going to award, if you're going to nominate a guy for, for this and you're going to, you know, go against his peers, you can't say, well, he did this thing 10 years ago <laughs> that prevents his performance from being one of the best of the year, yeah. you know? So that's way, where I stand on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, that was a weird thing because they had awarded all this, you know, very social conscious Zootopia winning for best animated feature, which I disagree with completely out of the group. Well, what do you think should have won? Uh, either the red turtle should have won uh-huh. or Kubo would have been a good, a good one. Yeah. Um, I, I think those were, were better, like, and more original type of movies. Although, I mean, Zootopia is good. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, you know, crap on it here, but I'm just saying, uh, when you're looking at just like stunning animation stories that just wrap you up and stuff, those, the red turtle and Kubo about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. I was glad Emma Stone won. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she was the uh, best thing about that movie. Like, she was. You could probably take Gosling out and put in a Miles Teller or somebody else, and the movie would probably play just as well. I don't think it'd be as easy to replace her in that movie. No. Um, <clears throat> so I was really glad to see her win, and and I didn't have any of the math in front of me, but I had this sneaking suspicion La La Land might not win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, won a lot of awards though. Yeah, won like won seven, five. Yeah, five. Yeah. Um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're still a big winner. Everybody's yeah. a big winner. Yeah. Big hugs, yeah. La La Land. <laughs> yeah. You did kind of get jobbed well, with the way it went down. Yeah. Because those guys were in the middle of acceptance speeches. Well, as, as, they, as I heard, as I saw on Twitter later, somebody was like, you know, this sort of, uh, this is sort of a, a bad thing for both movies because yeah. the, the Moonlight people don't get the actual announcement yeah. that they won. And it has to go through it this way where somebody else is screwed yeah. to do it, you know. Um, but uh, but uh, La La Land did win for original score, which I thought was a no brainer. I don't I, I'm not really familiar with the rest of these scores, but I mean, how can you vote against that? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the only one that, like I said, I'm not I don't usually like pay attention, much attention to scores unless it's just something that just really reaches out and. The one from Jackie reaches out. I was mm-hmm. talking about this one because it's like, I think it's way too over <laughs> melodramatic. It's a great score, but like for the, what's going on screen, a lot of times it's just like people talking or whatever. It's like this, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's probably nothing like the score at all, but you know what I mean? I know exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, Here's a weird departure on Allison Chains' Jar of Flies EP. <laughs> Jesus. From 1995 or whatever it was. It was this acoustic album, right? It was like No Excuses and I Stay Away and all that stuff. But then in the middle of it, this quiet you know, departure for them, Jerry Cantrell comes in with this massive ripping guitar solo with a bunch of distortion and everything. Mm, yeah, like, yeah. He just can't help himself. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Anyway, He's that's like, can't we favorite. have at least one part where we rock <laughs> in this album? I don't know what y'all is going to do, but I'm going to rock the fuck out. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, that was a, that was a decent Oscars. I, I, I mean, I was with a, a bunch of people, so I wasn't like paying much attention to Kimmel all the time. I mean... Really, your function as Oscar host is just to come out and keep things going, and yep. that's it. I wish someday, though, they have somebody who really knows the movies. Like, I know that, I mean, maybe that doesn't matter. Like, I maybe it wouldn't be a big deal if we did have somebody who really knows them. Like, a lot of these people they hire are like, you know, they're just they're they're comedians. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, I'd like to be able to see somebody who's just like really like knows his shit, but... I don't know if you need that even in that 
setting. I guess. What about Seth MacFarlane, though? What about him? I didn't mind his. No, I liked Seth MacFarlane. But he, I mean, he was just reviled, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Well, th- think about think about the things that Seth MacFarlane did. <laughs> he did the one where he did the musical thing where I saw your boobs. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a it's sort of a, one of those things where it addresses something that a lot of people are thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I I I thought the same thing about uh, Ashley Judd when she used to come to my theater. Well, you better hope she never listens to this podcast. I don't think she cares either. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm just saying, like that that's was a just co- the that's... weirdest thing, though. That's a weird thing yeah. when you're not, you don't like, uh, you're not dating that person or whatever, <laughs> and like, you know, and then they just walk in, and you're like, yeah, I've seen you naked before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the TSA says that to me every time I come through security yeah. at the airport. <laughs> they hey, I've seen you naked. Yeah, yeah man. They, yeah, man. They, those guys have the, the best pictures. We got you up in the office, man. <laughs> we no. printed that shit out. You know there's like dozens of TSA employees with like secret caches of those like, you know, x-ray machine nudes with oh, people. Oh, yeah. They like, clearly oh, this do. Is hot. Oh, it's the Kardashians. I'm going to say well, double click save this one. It's kind of like that that triple X Vin Diesel uh, thing where he's got the x-ray glasses <laughs> and they're like, ooh, look at that. I can see her skeleton. And you're like, doesn't yes. do it for me, but whatever you want. The ultimate x-ray. You got a lot of pepperoni in your bread. You remember yeah. that little Caesars commercial? <laughs> yeah. The kid puts on x-ray glasses and there's this hot chick with giant boobs walking down the street but she's holding pepperoni bread from and the kid looks up at her and of course you think he's looking at her boobs and he goes you've got a lot of pepperoni in your bread (laughs) (laughs) man little caesars used to have the best commercial oh yeah they were the best they They were were great (laughs) they had that one with the old lady and with the monkey and she's like you're pushing my buttons henry (laughs) (laughs) well one thing that by the way this ashley i'm gonna go back to ashley judd for a second (laughs) Um, Will she take you back? Uh, oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> um, no, uh, the the you know when when we're talking about like you know oh well what if she listened to this or whatever you know that type of thing with stuff that we don't really need to worry about. But um, they, I remember, I remember them openly talking about that stuff though. Like I remember when it was her, Winona, and Naomi Judd were all at the theater once, and they and because. Uh, I had sort of developed this kind of weird rapport with them when they came in or whatever, like as they had signed, she'd signed my kiss, the girls poster and all sorts of stuff. Um, I remember her, remember Winona, her sister talking about nude scenes, talking about like, it's like, you know what? It's fine. If somebody else wants to do that, just not my sister. <laughs> <laughs> you just randomly threw that out there. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I like that you have some sort of relationship with the Judds. Yeah, not, I mean it's oh it's they probably don't even remember me at this point. I was like, what was that? That was good. That was like 19 years ago when all that happened. 19 and 20 years ago, back when the Judds were a thing. The uh, the picture that I have a picture with me and Ashley Judd where I'm wearing a Spawn T-shirt. <laughs> 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 Which, they only probably made 20 spawn t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> right? that's probably well, a rare item well it's uh it was 
from working at the theater and the movie Spawn was coming out. Right. No, I'm still joking that no, that movie <laughs> was expected to do so little. Only 20 theaters got t-shirts. Right, right, for. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and but yeah, like that day because they went and saw uh, Air Force One, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, and I was like, ooh, idea. Because the girls just came in the the poster or whatever. But but yeah, they took a picture, and I, every time I look back at that picture, first I look at I look at it and I go, man, was I young. Yeah. <laughs> number two, man, was I thin. And then number three, I was wearing a Spawn shirt. <laughs> and number four, oh, there's Ashley Judd. Yeah, Ashley Judd looking gorgeous. It's like it's a completely like it's incongruous, uh, you know, like looking at looking at me standing next to Ashley Judd in this beautiful pink dress. Nice. Um, I thought you said you were wearing a Spawn t-shirt. Mm, ah, well, that might be a slip up in my story. Yeah, sorry. Today we're going to finish up the north bracket of our March Madness thing that we have created. Let the games begin! Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In one shining moment, it's all on the line. Battle Royale! The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh. You're excited. Feel these nipples. If you're still with us by now. <laughs> you know, fucking sideways. <laughs> you imagine people just angrily right. taking their earbuds out and throwing yeah. them across the room. What's they- crazy is that that one won't do it because as great as LA Confidential is and as much as it could should have won, it's still pretty lesser known, I think. Yeah. Like, I think uh, a lot of average film fans uh, aren't that aware with it or familiar with it. What's That's inter- true. What's interesting, though, here is is I... I am actually, even though I I really feel like L.A. Confidential deserved to go on, I do like that we haven't, like I said this in the last one, I'm glad we didn't go all chalk Mm -hmm. on it because it it shows the unpredictability of a small sample size. Yeah. Here we are, we have three people voting on one thing, (laughs) and if two of those people happen to like, now I probably go out in the world. I don't know what I'm going to get. LA Confidential's got to win, right? I think. I guess. Probably <laughs> most people haven't seen either. Yeah, I think they're both pretty low radar films, though. That's the interesting thing. Um, I think you'd get a lot. If you were Jay Leto on the street, I think you'd get a lot of what? Yeah. <laughs> but just like any sort of a 13 and four, like in a basketball game, yeah. I think if you played it 100 times, the four seed's going to win 70, 80 times, yeah. probably. And it's just that one game. They that, should do that. Yeah, they should. Just <laughs> just so we know we're mathematically getting the proper winner. Right, right. Have, have a larger sample size on this. All right, guys, get back out there. You're playing a series of games. They won this one. 89 more to go. Yeah. <laughs> March Madness will go until, Febu- until February next year. Yeah. <laughs> um all right. So to recap what happened in the last episode, we played our play-in games. Yep. Uh, and that was Rushmore over Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It mm-hmm. went on to play Jaws. Jaws took that one. Yep. And then we went over into the East region where The Departed f- faced off against Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The Close Encounters of the Third Kind went on and won that one. Mm-hmm. We will be getting to the East region in this episode. So it'll be Schindler's List versus Close Encounters Jesus of the Third Kind. Christ. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, exactly what Jeremy said there. Um, and then uh, we uh, go to the uh, South. Was it the South region? So I went to the the South region is where the Schindler's List versus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the East region. So you don't want to be confusing. Here. Yeah, sir. 
Um, the East region had a had a uh, fight to the death between Field of Dreams and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest narrowly won. That's right. And it, uh, it will face off against Children of Men in a later episode. Because well, you guys is- don't care about playing catch with your dad. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> bunch of dad haters. So, and then uh, in the West region, we had Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers go against all the President's Men. The Two Towers won that one. It's going to go up against Back to the Future in At a least later. One episode. very happy listener out there, I guarantee you. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the lone representative. He was happy. It just made the bracket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be thrilled. Yes. So, and then we went on through our first four games. Jaws beat Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And we had Die Hard beating Star Wars in one of the harder uh, categories, but it unanimously won. Yeah. Uh, but it was such a it's such a tough, like ridiculous uh, matchup. You should you know? do these recaps, like uh, recaps, like sports scores on a sports radio. <laughs> so it'd be like Jaws chomped Rushmore. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a bunch of puns. There, there is, there is a, a some sports ra- station that I know of that does that when they go through the whole baseball scores. It's the guy. It's Tom. What's his name? He's on other dudes show yeah the guy that has a show because he was a, a famous caller on jim rome show oh really and then <laughs> and now he's probably bigger than rome and he's on fox i think huh anyway yeah he does all the baseball scores, yeah. all the sports scores he does with puns the ah. indians the uh, arrow the whatever yeah no. stuff like that <laughs> um and then uh so then silence of the lambs uh went up against finding nemo silence of the lambs took that one yep and uh then in the upset uh sideways beat la confidential in yeah. the th- in the four and 13 match a tiny bit of chris died <laughs> a tiny bit of me died that day but i was able to soldier through you drank from the chalice that had just the water and we uh-huh. drank from the one that had the tear for, right and so we took a little bit of your life yes that's correct that's exactly what happened too bad we didn't record it that day man we went through some real like dramatic shit that day um, there was mermaids all kinds there of was shit. mermaids yes absolutely i wonder if anybody's gonna get the pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides reference that jerry probably just not dropped. no probably not no nobody saw that movie that, that, it, I, I think the money generated by on stranger tides was just like like interest from the other pirates of yeah. the Caribbean. It was like they put the money in the bank and that it was like, well, on Stranger Tides made that much money. <laughs> the reason we just had a pizza party writing session with our writers last night and we all watched on Stranger Tides. That's mm-hmm. why it's fresh in my brain and mm-hmm. I'm making mermaid chalice jokes. <laughs> Normally that would not be in your lexicon. Yeah, it would not be something I would spit out even if it was. <laughs> Today we have these matchups. Goodfellas, the five seed against 12 seed Shawshank Redemption. Oh, my God. The six seed Aliens versus the 11 seed Gone Baby Gone. Oh, oh wow. God. The seven seed E.T. versus 10 Amelie. Uh-huh. And then the eight and nine, eight seed La La Land and nine Fargo. Can't wait for that one. This wow. is probably even rougher than last week yeah yeah these matchups immediately jump out to me as just ridiculous yep so let's get right into it uh we are going goodfellas versus shawshank and this might take an hour (laughs) (laughs) oh how do you even right like one is so kinetic and the other is so the opposite of kinetic mm-hmm. right almost if it wasn't so goddamn entertaining shawshank would almost be molasses at yeah. times. um and so that's sort of the point of this whole bracket though right yep. but god i want i already want to just run out of the room and let you guys decide <laughs> it i don't want to pick sides here yeah um 
Goodfellas, both of these could lay claim to a lot of people's best of all time, yep. probably. Yeah, that's... And on the IMDb, I think the Shawshank Redemption still is number one. Oh, yeah. Uh, among like, users. Is it a perfect 10? or No, is no, it... no. It's like eight something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it may even hit nine at one point, but I think it's in the eights mm. somewhere. But Goodfellas is just a... It's just... I don't know. It's incredible in every way as far as storytelling. It's one of the few movies where narration is worthwhile mm-hmm. and needed. Um, and especially just because Ray Liotta was just so, so good in it. Yeah. And then you have a terrifying Joe Pesci. Yeah. The, 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 the smallest guy on screen is the most terrifying. Well, yeah. <laughs> the thing about the Joe Pesci performance and the one that, you know, the, you know, I'm funny to you. I'm funny like a clown. Am I funny to you? How am I funny to you? Blah, 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 blah. The thing that's so genius to me about that scene is, is that yes, while he's fucking with Henry Hill during the entire time, he hasn't earned that kind of behavior or, or like to give the benefit of the doubt yeah. in a situation like that. Yeah. He has blown up over less. Yeah. And uh, and and it's a scene where you know by the end of it, he's like, "Fuck! I nearly had you!" Blah blah blah, and you're like, ha, "Yeah." It's like he didn't even know until the very end whether yeah. he was going to get violent. I, I would actually wager to say that's probably the yeah, truth. Like he's kind of just stewing it over. He's sort I kill of this teetering on that edge, <laughs> yeah. you know, going, "Well, I might kill him by the end of this. I don't. Sh- I'm not sure." Yeah. And then by the end of it, it's like, ha, 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 "I'm just messing with you." He's a loaded gun, like. Mm-hmm. It, metaphorically speaking like anytime he's on screen something terrifying could happen he's like anton chigurh in yeah, uh, yeah. no country for old men like you don't know if he's gonna let this guy slide or if it's gonna end up like a spider situation where he just blows right, him away right. you know? yeah and it makes the movie just 10 times more enthralling mm-hmm. every time he's on there because they're the good fellow like they're you know old band of brothers and everything and it's this deep familial tie and they go to his what his mom's place for dinner halfway yeah. through this crazy you know escapade and you see this human side of him but the rest of the time he's just a live wire mm-hmm. yeah remember when we um went to dc and barrett wasn't there and right. we got to have that goodfellas meal that mike isabella cooked i do remember mm-hmm. that mike isabella actually meal. shaved the garlic with the razor blade like they do in this movie oh. the cooking scene in in goodfellas in prison is so so good Mm -hmm. and it's almost like i mean obviously they're getting a lot of privileges that they shouldn't uh but you know it's almost like they're not even in prison they're they're focused at least for the time they're making and eating that food and that's you know it goes back to what isabella said in that movie recipe about how food is so much a part of the italian culture uh in the ways it isn't for like midwest indiana families like mine that i grew up eating turkey dinners and whatnot um but uh that scene conveys that Mm -hmm. so well the love and we're going to do this right god damn it yeah it's it's a nice little lull for me uh in between all of the blood and violence that this movie contains and there's a lot of that and great just episodes and general and just contained within this movie which i don't think has like an overreaching plot even though it's it's henry hill the rise and fall of henry hill basically Mm -hmm. is what the plot is but you know the latanza heist and all this stuff that's got its own thing to Mm -hmm. it the aftermath of the latanza heist is one of those big things too like and you know that's another thing too that the movie doesn't really spell out for you a lot of things like um de niro's character We'll sit there and tell people, don't don't spend on this. Don't spend any money. Uh, we can't do that. We got everybody looking at us and everything like that. And he, I think in the back of his mind, he knows they're going to do that. And it's a way for him to steal more money. Yeah. And uh, and it's just one of those type of things. You, 
like yeah you know like oh well they get they fucked up they bought the fur coat and they bought the car and all yeah. that other stuff it's like he was just looking for ways to make more money you know it's, it's, it's uh, i mean and, ma- and maybe i maybe i've interpreted that scene wrong no that's interesting yeah but uh but it, it's it's one of those things and, and you know the scene where he's he's sending henry's wife over to find some dresses yeah. and everything it's just you don't know what's going to happen. She gets the, you know, the like the willies about it yeah. and just says, oh, better not do this. I'm going to go home. You know, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe mm-hmm. she gets some dresses. But, <laughs> you know, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, I, and then the whole, the whole drug thing by the end of it is just a, just a manic, just yeah. incredible thing. And I just love the, I love the thing where she's like, I can't go without my hat. I'm sorry. I can't go out my hat and everything. <laughs> so what can I do except go back and get her fucking hat? <laughs> The movie is is thrilling. It's action packed and and it's got a lot of humor in it. And, oh yeah, and and it's yeah. I mean, this movie is it is it better than The Godfather? Ooh. Oh, I wouldn't say so. Man, I don't know. It's right up there with it. That's a bold Godfather. Statement. Godfather's an epic. Uh-huh. And Goodfellas is not an epic. I mean, although it does go over a, a span of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could still consider Goodfellas an epic. But Godfather's got that grand, like, you know, big screen presence to it and yeah. everything. But uh, you see the Godfather from the top down, though, like all the way down mm-hmm. to like Luca Brazzi level. Here you see a segment. You see the boss. I mean, the boss who goes to prison, grabs the garlic and all that stuff. But like you don't see the entirety of it, I guess, because this is just a subset of the entire family. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The Godfather to me just has a reach. Uh, and it has that that bond between the characters that. It seems like in Goodfellas, just everybody's an inch away from double crossing each other, and they are. Mm-hmm. And like with that scene with Larry and Bracco, where he's you know sending her off to, for the dresses. Yeah, that I don't think he'd get in the Godfather. The Godfather, you feel like those Sonny and um, Tom and Fredo and Michael are all going to be inexorably tied together. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. uh, now it's an interesting question, though. It's uh, also we got a good another another movie in our bracket that The Simpsons had parodied here with the. Uh, Oh, fellas. Yeah. When Bart goes to work for the yeah. mob at the bar. <laughs> yeah. And he comes into the kitchen at home one day and says, Give me three fingers of milk, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Great episode of The Simpsons, by the way. Uh, all right. So then another one. This is a huge, huge heavy hitter Shawshank Redemption, which both of these movies really underperformed at the box office. Yep. They got their uh, real like audience afterwards. Um, it, you know, I tell people who don't know what, how the Shawshank Redemption, you know, back in 1994, I tell people that movie did not do anything mm. and they're like, what? No, it was, a, it's like one of the best movies of all time. Well, yeah, but it didn't do anything <laughs> mainly because its name is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and not, I don't know. Hope floats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Which did Bafo box office, of course. Well, uh, this is another movie that knows how to use narration, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, I think I think on the surface you could say Morgan Freeman is just dishing exposition, but I really don't feel it. I feel like he's a storyteller. Yeah, and we're getting visuals and dialogue that accentuate the story. But mm-hmm. this is the kind of narration a storyteller around a campfire would would yeah. and, use and you can tell that that's a really good point it's the narr- narration in itself is not bad even though we always send it in these movies but the most of the narration that we send 
is that kind of yeah. let me tell you how how everything's been going so far. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. It's not that same kind of storytelling. Right. That we talk about in the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and so like, uh, yeah, it's it. I think both of them. It's real. It's a really good point. I mean, when you have somebody who's like actually sitting there and telling the story instead of, you know, sort of exposition the right. whole time, it's great. Yeah, and there are huge stretches. This movie spans. 40 years, 30 yeah, years, something like that. There yeah. are huge stretches where we need that storytelling to bridge the gap because yeah. we're not seeing every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. I had an idea the other day and I, I, I realized somebody's probably already done this, but I, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we ever send this movie to do an outtake when he plays the opera singers mm-hmm. of some really dissonant like song <laughs> like i don't know some like yeah. cuss filled rap or whatever and all the prisoners are staring up in wonder yeah. at the speakers <laughs> somebody's probably already done that suicidal tendencies or something uh, so many great emotional peaks and valleys in this movie yeah i think that's what makes it great is there are lows like the whole brooks thing mm-hmm. mm, is hard for me to watch um but you get that you know opera singer moment or the beer after tar on the roof moment um you know with these victories along the way that are just enough to sustain the viewer Mm -hmm. and the viewer's optimism and hope as much as they are andy's yeah you have to have that because you kind of get a sense during the entirety of it that you're going to get the payoff at the end right and what a fucking payoff my god is it a payoff (laughs) absolutely (laughs) well it's not the kind of thing that I mean, it hides it very well. Yeah. And the, it's one of those great, one of the great reveals in cinema, I think, when we get all the footage of the things we never saw before, mm-hmm. um, him dropping the dust out in the yard, mm-hmm. and one, one pocket full at a time. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's rapturous almost. Yeah. And you believe that he has never felt more free on that beach at the end of the movie in yeah. Mexico, right? Oh, yeah. Like that is somehow heaven. Mm-hmm. Utopia, scraping the bottom, scraping the barnacles off of some piece of shit boat. Right. Because after the 30 years he just went through, it would be heaven. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Do you think that Frank Darabont is an underrated director? Absolutely. Yes, because, yes. Right. Because he was, I, I still have a bug up my ass about the whole Walking Dead thing and the way they sort of forced him, tried to force him to save money and set Mm. season two all on this goddamn farm and he basically ended up being ousted because i think what what's missing from that show for me and i gave up on it three or four seasons ago he could have fixed yeah i think i agree um and he has such a great handle on stephen king and his work that it meshes really well with the walking dead world and the themes of that show Mm -hmm. um so i'm still upset about that i think he's fairly underrated what's he got that we're not remembering i mean not much actually because because the green miles won and then the sort of the um and this is divisive among a lot of people. The Mist, which I love. Oh, the I like that movie a lot. Yeah. I love The Mist. A lot of people do not like that ending because yeah. it's that type of ending. Yeah. And I love it because it's that type of ending. Um, and then he is uh, he's going to be the he's the director of Gambit that's coming up. Oh, really? Yeah. The Ch- 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 Channing Tatum? Uh, right. I guess if that Gambit. Who, well, the, that's a Marvel X-Men superhero, but yeah, it could yeah. also be like a heist. No, movie it's the Chan- No, it's the Channing Tatum. one. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's intriguing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I just don't. He doesn't get. I guess it's because volume based. But the ones that he has done are really 
triples to home runs. Well, you know? yeah, and he's he's in like like I said, he hasn't done many movies right. overall. I mean, the other the one the other one, and I still to this day haven't seen this one, but he did the Majestic as well. Oh, and oh, uh, really? The Jim Carrey thing? Yeah, wow. it's kind of like the Truman Show light. Oh yeah, but it's it got enjoyable things about it mm-hmm. uh, because he's lost his memory, comes back to this town and tries to fix up the old movie theater yeah. and there's a lingering question the whole movie as to whether or not he's actually this town's forgotten son who went off to war uh, pretty interesting i thought I and uh, i mean so we've we've named all of his movies yeah, so yeah. to say that he's i mean it's it's tough to say he's underrated but it's all i mean i do think that he's a guy who probably should have more work under his resume and maybe there's something that we don't know mm-hmm Either he's hard to deal with or, you know, he just... He was connected to Crystal Skull. He was. He was. He wrote the screenplay that everybody liked until and George Lucas <laughs> came out. Yeah. Wonderful. I'd like to see that movie. Yeah, I do too. Somewhere there's a parallel universe like the Star Trek Temporal Distortions yeah. where all of these movies that weren't get made, like... <laughs> Superman lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Frank Darabont's Indiana Jones movie. Um, but yeah, the Shawshank Redemption has got a lot of just uh, sheer uh, incredible drama. We had seen prison movies before, but they mm-hmm. were always about either the whole thing was about escaping from right. prison. Or it was really brutal type stuff, like you know, like everything involves like getting beat up and mm-hmm. all. Like stuff. the show Oz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, this one has its share of mm-hmm. all, all the bad stuff that happens in prison, but it's not like the only thing about it. Right. It's funny. The other day, this was on. Of course, TNT. I think plays this like a Christmas story. Yeah. Almost <laughs> like they play it like over and over. And it would just happen to be on the other day. I was watching that opera scene and everything. Yeah. And it's just. It's a great scene. Yep. I mean. I think under under like uh, you know less skilled hands that would have been a real sappy ass scene you know it somehow almost, yeah I mean the whole thing kind of reminds me of Cool Hand Luke mm-hmm. you know of like the little triumphs and everything of like uh, you know Luke and the the guys getting a treat or something like that or finishing really quickly so they could take yeah. the rest of the day off uh, but it's got it's got a a different payoff than certainly than Cool Hand Luke but it that's the only prison drama that i could compare this to that came up until this point yeah and uh but you know we have another i mean we have a lot of like great little side uh actors and characters mm-hmm. and then william sadler's great in this yeah, he's awesome james whitmore who plays brooks is great in mm-hmm. this um and there's a couple of others like clancy brown plays that just terrifying guard <laughs> hadley i think is his name yeah yeah and um and it's and then uh you have um guy who plays the warden is, oh. um Mr. McPricky Pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a lot of movies, though. That's the thing. He's in a ton. Oh, it is. It's a 9.3 on the IMDb. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, Bob Gooten is the guy who plays uh, the... Um, he's great in this movie. Yeah, though. he's absolutely great. And uh, you have like uh, Gil Bellows, who would later uh, be on... Um, uh, Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal. Yeah. Um, just a lot of... The, it fills it up with all these... Ty- if it was just Red and Andy... All the way through it, it would be a good movie. Right. But those guys, it's a great movie, yeah. especially because Brooks has that big moment at yeah. the end. I had never heard of the idea of institutionalized before this movie. Right. And it was when I was like 20 years in the movie theaters that I started thinking, 
oh, I see what they mean by yeah, that. Yeah. You know, even though it wasn't j- prison, it's the same sort of deal. You're well, like, you uh, even see Morgan Freeman go through it. You see him, you know, even teetering on the edge of maybe I should just, you know, take the way out that Brooks did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He almost doesn't even fucking go to that tree mm-hmm. because he's been so institutionalized. What's, you know, how's he supposed to function in this? He's asking you to go to the bathroom. And yeah. the grocery store <laughs> yeah. manager's like, just go take a piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what anchors this movie for me, I think, is uh, Andy. And the performance of Tim Robbins, yep, because he's so relatable on yeah. so many different levels. Levels, um, you know, he's an everyman here. You mm-hmm. know, everybody has, everybody's been cheated on. Everybody's been wrongfully accused of something. Everybody has a weird hobby that people don't understand. There's so many facets of his personality that make him relatable and accessible to a general audience, so that you actually feel like you're going on this journey with him. Uh, and that's why the ending is so, what I said, rapturous. And he's so even-tempered throughout the whole thing. He's got this way of talking out the side of his mouth. You mm-hmm. know, it's just very, okay. Like, he, he he can see three steps ahead of everybody yeah. else, even, you know, from day to day. You that know? scene near the end, before his escape, when Morgan Freeman is getting suicide vibes from him, where he's just kind of squatting and leaning against the wall and staring off into the world and mm-hmm. talking about all this death stuff. God, it's so good. He yeah. makes you feel the despair that a guy in his situation would feel. He's he's basically given up. You believe he's going to kill himself. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, just all the other stuff that's in this, the, the tarring the roof scene where he like, you know, he tells Hadley like, you know, He's like, do you trust your wife? Which, of course, if we send this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid way to have that discussion. <laughs> really dumb bugging thing to do. But like, um, but like uh, the, he, you know, getting all that and then being able to get beer for everybody yeah. by the end of it. And that, you know, that that look on his face where he, he's not even drinking beer. Everybody <laughs> else is having the beer. Um the the whole thing with the taxes and everything like him doing everybody's taxes yeah. is just a fun thing yep. how can you make taxes fun and they made that fun in this movie uh all the stuff that he does to get books in a li- in a library built yeah. and everything like that like when he finally gets it the note comes in and it says we consider this matter closed please stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so uh we have two movies here that have tremendous scenes in it tremendous like laughs drama all of that like you said the real difference here is one's kinetic and one is very slow but it's entertaining yeah in its slowness and who jeremy goes first shawshank redemption okay Ah. from my perspective and what the reason we all love this kind of shit is that film is subjective Mm -hmm. right and so when I speak in hard and fast facts like I'm about to, I'm still talking about my own opinion. But yep. I think Shawshank is in the discussion for one of the five best movies ever made mm. uh, in all of history. And I mm. I love Goodfellas. It's nearly, it's nearly perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm hard-pressed to find flaws in that movie. Um, but it probably would be more like a movie I would consider for my top 20 or top 25. Mm. Shawshank is the kind of movie that makes me think deep thoughts and feel big feelings days after I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is applicable to my life and my thoughts on a regular basis when I'm flipping past and see. It's just, it's much like Sideways. It has bored into my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a deeper meaning meaning movie. Uh, it's trying to say more than Goodfellas is. Goodfellas is going to sound like I'm insulting this movie, and I'm not, but it's basically saying, here are these terrible gangsters and some shit they did. <laughs> um, you know, Shawshank wants you to feel all the whole scope of emotions up and down, and it succeeds. I can't 
I, I know I'm like the only guy that voted for Shawshank when we did the years debate, so yeah. I may be on an island here, but I, I can't go any other way. It's weird. Is Goodfellas, uh, Martin Scorsese's magnum opus? Uh, yeah, so. it definitely. This I is mean, the peak because right? of all the all the movies he's done. And you can you put Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and um, I mean Gangs of New York and all that, Gangs, uh, and Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. and all these type of movies together. Goodfellas is always. It rises to the top. Even you know, we talked about Departed last. Like Taxi last Driver week too. is a is a movie like it. It doesn't it doesn't quite soar to what Goodfellas does, mm. but it's it is so amazing in what yeah. it does. And Raging Bull's the same way. Raging Bull is where you really start seeing that Goodfellas type stuff coming out, though. Yeah, it's almost like Goodfellas is the moment that he put it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when like he had he been. Gets- he had been doing. He, had, I think, he had had the Wise Guy book for years. Like oh, he really? wanted to, he wanted to do this a long time. And in the middle of all this, he did the Color of Money, and you know, he did all these. Like you know, I think he did um, the King of Comedy, and then it was like, I think it was during Color of Money he got the Wise Guy book. Oh, and that's and the Color of Money was eighty six. Oh, okay, so like it was yeah. four years later. That's when Goodfellas came. And of course, he did Last Temptation of Christ in between mm-hmm. all that, which I think is another long gestating mm-hmm. um, movie. But <laughs> since the birth of Jesus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> but yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it it really is great. It really is. Uh, with Goodfellas, that does stick with me, just because it's so violent and it's so visceral. Yeah. Um, you know, we had seen certainly violent gangster movies before this and everything, but like it certainly went further than The Godfather went and like mm-hmm. those things. Uh, I hate to take the choice away from you, Chris, but I'm going to vote Shawshank too. Um, it is Hooray! it is a beautiful, masterful movie. Goodfellas is too. This is a very hard decision, but. You could tell the way that we were effusing about the the beauty of this movie that it's it's just gorgeous. I love it. I love it. I got to vote for it. Um, I don't know whether to be glad that you already <laughs> took the choice from me from me or be pissed off that you took the choice <laughs> from me. <laughs> because if you had picked Goodfellas, then it would have been up to me to yes. be like because, and I would have been like, let's stop for about thirty minutes <laughs> so that I can officially come up with what I think is better on this on this thing. And it, and it's really really. I mean, even now, even though this choice doesn't make any difference. I'm still having a hard time. It, these are, this is the tightest one that we've had so far for me, at least. Um, but I, I think from what Jeremy was talking about on this, the character arc of Andy Dufresne in this is so well earned, and the and the and the sort of the emotion that it sort of brings you through this entire thing finally breaks when he is out in the rain. And his hands are outstretched, yeah. oh. and 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 it's there's some sort of bigger euphoria here yeah. than anything that's in Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and I would probably have gone with Shawshank on this as well. Okay, um, even though I don't know if technically this movie is better than Goodfellas. Yeah. Like I think everything about Goodfellas is is all the motion that's in it. It's just like, you know, it's just taking you on a ride. Yeah. And it's got so many like unbelievable film technique type stuff yeah. in yeah. it. So technically, I think Goodfellas is better. But as far as story is concerned, Shawshank's gonna win that. Yeah. And I, I think that I think I go story above substance anytime I mean story above uh technical. Form, yeah. Te- yeah. More than anything. Yeah. So I'm gonna make this unanimous here. 
Wow, but, I haven't had many of those. But it, and but it's just I I can't. This is like a championship. Yeah, in the first <laughs> round. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Shawshank is gonna is gonna be another high seed, a twelve seed beating a five seed yep. here, uh, and it moves on. Another wow. upset. Congrats, um, Red and Andy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good and job, it, guys. And we're talking about a dangerous 12 seed here. Oh, yeah. No kidding. I mean, this is something that could easily win it. Yeah. You don't um, want to play these guys. No, that's right. Um, They're the Duke. On to something that is completely <laughs> off its rocker. Number six, Aliens versus 11, Gone Baby Gone. Holy oh, balls. Yeah. <laughs> Holy balls. Aren't we talking almost the same type of thing here? One's kinetic. And yeah. The other one's uh, boy, a- is it kinetic. Yes. There's a lot of bullets in Aliens. Yes. Let's talk Aliens first, I yep. guess. Um, I actually saw, I think I saw Aliens before I ever saw Alien. I did too. Um. And and wasn't aware of I was watching something so radically different than what had you know predated it, mm-hmm. um, which I think would have given me even more appreciation. I loved Aliens the first time I saw it. It was I mean, J- James Cameron was just he had a sweet spot there for several years where he was doing everything right uh, for me as a as a viewer. He's gone way off the rails these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in this era, I uh, Terminator, this mm-hmm. Terminator 2. I mean, I'm all in. Yeah. Aliens is I saw Alien 3 before I saw and I went backwards. I believe. Oh, wow. wow. I saw Alien 3 in the theaters. I'm mm-hmm. surprised you would even want to see any more after that. Well, I knew I, I had a, a sneaking suspicion that the other two <laughs> were better. Um, and then I went to Aliens because I knew it was, I think I probably was informed that was the action-y one. Yeah. And then I got to Alien by the end of it. But uh, but Aliens is, uh, it's, it's sort of, we sort of see... Some of the blueprint of a lot of the uh, uh, summer blockbusters that we see now in that movie. Lots of dumb stuff in it, but done for it's 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 80s dumb stuff. I don't know what uh, really how to say. Bill Paxton is one of the dumbest characters <laughs> they've ever thrown into an action. I movie. agree. Um, and, but he's got all the 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 lines in that, you yeah. know, like <laughs> game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Um, but it's got, it's got a lot of that. It's like real dumb, brawny testosterone type of stuff in it. Meanwhile, it ends up being a fascinating action movie, like a really good action movie. Um, and, uh, and, and then it adds extra stuff because Cameron's always been known to have uh, strong female characters in his movies to have Sigourney Weaver and Ripley find the newt uh you know basically her surrogate daughter mm-hmm. in this is a is sort of a master uh stroke in this movie because it adds a lot of context to the movie by the time Newt is you know captured by the alien queen and everything and it makes makes Ripley have to go and do something that normally she probably wouldn't do i think that what really rocked this movie for me when i first saw it was that when she puts on the yellow exosuit mm-hmm. and fights the alien one on one at the end, because they had so, shown me so much cool action all the way up until then, I would have been okay if she just got in a ship and blasted off. Uh, but instead, they give me this moment, and it's like so freaking iconic, burned in my brain. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the movie's essentially over at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you expect the movie to be over. Like uh, Bishop is is out there and everything, mm-hmm. and 
uh, you just figure like, okay, the queen's going to be for the, the next movie or whatever. Yeah. And then you have this huge action scene where you get away from her, you bitch, yeah. you know? And uh, I, I love that scene. I, that uh, image of Bishop getting ripped in half is seared into my skull. Oh, right. that, that, well, like the yellow pudding milk that yeah. comes out of his body is really disgusting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and probably not edible. No. For the record. I mean, no. you should probably try it just to make sure. You could. But it takes all the suspense of Alien and puts it into these heavy artillery action scenes. Yep. Um, and, and that's hard to do. I mean, you, I, I like you look at any other summer like any of your average summer blockbusters where guns are a big deal yeah they don't get anything like what aliens does and i think it's kind of that die hard thing they're all in that one spot mm -hmm. and they don't have anywhere to go yeah and and you know a lot of this is about tracking little dots on their little yeah. trackers and everything and like and like oh no he's like in here somewhere where is he, he could be above below to the, you know where is he um so yeah it's it while it while we see some of the blueprints of like some of the dumber action movies that we see in this one, it's still way above anything that we see later on. I, I kind of blame Aliens more than I blame Jaws and all these <laughs> other movies that made the summer blockbuster a thing. Yeah, I, I blame Aliens probably more for like what we started getting into like right right in that eighties. <laughs> He's Spot. doing a really, really <laughs> awkward gesture, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. He's doing basically a proctology gesture. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> For getting up in there. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, but I mean, because, yeah, like a lot of the, a lot of that stuff in there is, is pretty dumb. But anyway, it's great, though. It's oh, yeah. great overall. Yep. And and uh, and I even though the sort of the, you know, they, that that corporate, you know, the corporations never change type <laughs> of thing is, is actually pretty scary in this because... In the first movie, it's all about like they want to keep the alien. They want to make sure that, you know, they don't want, you know, to kill it because they want to, you know, research it and everything. And that's what we have in the Paul Reiser character mm -hmm. here. And, and and there's all this assurances that this is different. We know that the alien's dangerous and all this other type of stuff. Nope, it's the same thing yeah. over again. <laughs> you know, they never didn't learn anything from the last time. Yeah, and uh, there's a great opener here too. It's a total fake out where she dreams that she has a chestburster come out of her after she returns from the first movie. Yeah. That shit scarred me. Yeah. yeah, I had some nightmares about that shit because oh, yeah. I hadn't had yet to see the chest bursting <laughs> from the first movie. Uh, and here's a cute little kitty cat, and she's dreaming. And <laughs> it's got a great cast though i mean michael bean yeah bill paxton uh sigourney weaver of course lance hendrickson and mm -hmm. fucking paul reiser in an evil role yes. which yeah. is awesome it's yes. almost like seinfeld playing an evil person yeah. it just doesn't jive right because <laughs> yeah. all i've known paul reiser for otherwise is comedy mm -hmm. yeah it's goofy yeah. yeah. Um. On to our 11 seed, Gone Baby Gone, which uh, is Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Wow, what a fucking home run. Yeah. Um. This is another one of those movies that if I see it when I'm flipping channels, I'm going to watch for a few minutes. I can pick it up at any point. I can check out at any point. Every scene is good. Mm -hmm. Every scene drips with the appropriate amount of tension, right? Like that first time he goes to the bar. And that one loudmouth idiot is like, oh, yeah, Helene's in here every night. And she was in here that night and doing lines with Ray in the bathroom. And one of the other bar patrons is like, what the fuck are you doing? And it escalates within 60 seconds to where they're about to kill Casey yeah. Affleck and mm -hmm. his girlfriend. They're going to shoot their ass. They lock the goddamn door. Yeah. Yeah. And if Affleck isn't carrying a gun at that point, it's game over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's because he is that 
quick thinking and and street smart and knows the neighborhood that he even gets the gig and then succeeds at all um, in it. Man, I love this movie. I, we said when we talked about it that it's probably going to be a classic 20 or 30 years from now. Yeah. More so than anything else Affleck has made at this point. It came out in a loaded year, too, in 2007. Yeah, that was a loaded um, year. Any other year, it may have been nominated. I guess, I don't know, with the Affleck baggage, maybe it wouldn't have been, but like... You know, you look at 2007 and you start with There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men and all that stuff. And then you get to this and it's up there with all of those. Yeah. Oh, no. It's just, I, I had my idea even I think I voted for it. I think it's probably the best movie of that year. And much like Children of Men, Shawshank Redemption, it's it's I think it's going to end up being one of our finest films ever. I mm. think we're going to look back and history's going to shine on this motherfucker. Just like yeah. Shawshank came out and nobody went to see it. You know, but now everyone's seen it, and it's the most beloved thing on IMDb. I think Gone Baby Gone could go that direction. It's uh, it really uh, sort of lies in this character of Amy Ryan that Amy Ryan plays in this, and even though she's not in it, like she's not like the biggest presence. She's actually the probably the biggest part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an awful human being. She's terrible. Yep. Yeah, she is. She's one of the worst human beings that you can ever put on a movie, and like. Uh, meanwhile, we have Casey Affleck and Michelle Monaghan. They're basically looking for her kid. And, you know, it, you know, there's a sort of a, a decision here that has to be made by the end of the movie yeah. that is is one of those like you're screwed no matter what that you what you decide. Yeah. And a, this is a movie about moral ambiguity. Yeah. And sh- Amy Ryan's character is the one thing that everybody can agree on. She's a terrible person. Right. You know? Yeah. Even the people that think Casey does the right thing and I'm among them. Um, she's still just loathsome. Yeah. She's just awful. Right. <laughs> no concern for her child. If she had been a half decent mother then none of this would have happened. Yep. Um, and, and God, this movie just breaks your heart because if you side like I do and feel like Affleck's done the right thing, you you still know deep down that kid's going to have a shitty life. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the laws should be different. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm just maybe I'm just a too legal guy. I'm just like, well, that's like Casey says to Morgan Freeman, Helene's her mother. Like she belongs with her mother, uh, even though her mother is basically Satan. This is the this is that's the reason why the decisions in any way difficult. Mm. If if she was any way in a decent mom, yeah. then this is a, this is a no brain easy decision. Um, and you know, I think, I think I struggle, uh, when I think about this movie all the time, whether or not, because I think, I think Affleck does the right thing too, but, um, also, um, I'm, I, you know, in given the situation and everything, who knows how I would act. Yeah. I might actually be Michelle Monaghan's side in this one. Um, because I would, I would probably feel it a little bit more like Mm -hmm. being around this, around these people. But yeah, aside from that, we have all these other like great, you know, Ed Harris is in this, yeah. of course, Morgan Freeman. Um, and, and you have this this great like, you know, side sort of story to this. that yeah. They're sort of building a fiction for Casey Affleck to, to hold on to. Um, and uh, man, it, it, you know, for a while there, you're just like, oh, OK, well, then. I guess this is just going to be one of those movies where just things just fucking suck. And, you know, I guess she's dead and you don't have you don't have to, you know, everything's terrible. And I don't know what else to say about it. God, it's heartbreaking when, you know, he does that narration and there's that montage of the 
the town and the houses and whatnot. And he's talking about, and, you know, life moved on. You know, a few months later, another kid disappears. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I also noticed the most recent time I watched this, I, I, I never paid attention to this before, but before they even take the case, Michelle Monaghan says to him, I don't want to find a kid in a dumpster. I don't want to find a kid that's been abused. And it's the exact thing that happens to Casey later in the movie. It's not at a dumpster, but he he experiences exactly what she was trying to keep them from when he goes to that cocaine house and mm-hmm. finds that dead kid. Uh, God, there's so much about this movie that just deep. Yeah. Deep. Yes. Um, still can debate this movie with my wife. She mm-hmm. thinks Michelle Monaghan's right. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and say, and I don't know if we've been doing this, but whatever. There are spoilers in these uh, sort of debates. I mm-hmm. think we've kind of, we've been half and half with spoilers uh in these movie discussions most of the time i think we try to stay away from them but and when we're debating gone baby gone i think it's very clear we have to talk about that decision yeah. we can't just sit here and go well the decision you know <laughs> that decision right. at the end yeah um so you know the decision i'll spell it out is that they find the kid in the end mm-hmm. And he wants to bring them back to the mom. And Michelle Monaghan says, no, she's living okay with Morgan Freeman here. Yeah, she's happy. She's, she's about happy. to go to like a safe house, essentially, right? Yes. And uh, and it's one of the most devastating, chilling scenes that I've ever seen is you, they're just outside by the car. Michelle Monaghan's got this look on her face like, and you know, like what? What did they decide? And you just see flashing lights in the yeah. background. Yeah. Well, because right before that, she says something to him along the lines of, "I'll hate you." Yes. If you do this. Oh my and god. And then it cuts, and you're like, "Well." And then they're they're kind of even blurry in the background mm. with the lease lights rolling up. Yeah. Oh man, it's it, it it's one of the best discussion starting movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just adore it. Never would have thought a Jamaican gangster named Cheese would be menacing until I saw this movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he is. Uh, anyway, uh, how are we going to vote on this one? So I'll start. For all of the praise we just heaped on to Gone Baby Gone, I love me some aliens. Mm-hmm. I think it is a great blockbuster. Up there with the very best, the top five blockbusters I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so different from Alien, and it was so expertly done. All the characters that that matter are fleshed out. I mean, Ripley continues her arc from before and adding that surrogate child in there really like helps ground her because otherwise she's just off in this mental like fog. She just wants to survive. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I love it. That's going to be my pick. I think Aliens is a great movie. I love Gone Baby Gone, but Aliens is awesome. Mm. Um. I think this is probably going to decide it in a way because I'm going to go Gone Baby Gone here, right. and uh, and we all know where Jeremy's going to go with this. <laughs> um, I, I, again, should I, I play more poker face with this shit? Am I, t- <laughs> no. am I tipping my hand too hard much? on the sleeve, baby? Again, this is another a ridiculous sort of matchup because <laughs> we would never compare these two movies. Yep. Uh, and I do love me some Aliens probably as much as you yeah. do. But Gone Baby Gone, as far as just like actual like um, you know real dramatic weight and everything to it, and like Jeremy was talking about with a discussion starter and everything, I'm going to pick Gone Baby Gone as far as that. Now it is an interesting choice as to what I would watch with two of them mm-hmm. side by side. Yeah, it would really depend on mood, right? And I think most of the time you might pick Aliens mm-hmm. in this situation. But as far as I want to see a really great movie 
that makes me think and all this other type of stuff, it's going to be Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. I will vote Gone Baby Gone and seal the victory that Chris already predicted. All right. Gone all Baby right. Gone. Yeah. Um, Another upset. Yeah. We're on a roll here. We're on a roll with the upsets. Fuck the top seeds. That's right. (laughs) We are axing them like March Madness normally does. Um, But to be fair, these these 13 and 14 and all these seeds are really number one seeds in disguise. Yeah, there's there's like 64 number one seeds in this bracket. Well, Aliens in 86 didn't didn't have a lot of competition Mm -hmm. in that year. And something like Gone Baby Gone in 2007 had a crazy amount of competition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our next matchup is number seven E.T., all-time classic Spielberg alien movie. Uh, Well, no. And number ten, Amelie, which is a <laughs> oh, this is not the one I thought it was. Which is a fantastic Jean-Pierre Jeunet movie that is just you know it's it's magical. I'll I guess I'll go ahead and start on this. E.T. is one of the first movies I remember watching in movie theaters. Yeah, I was five when E.T. came. Mm-hmm. Um, and E.T. was. Uh, before Star Wars for me, the phenomenon that I always... And you were seven when it left theaters. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much right. Um, uh, but E.T. was, you know, I don't... We had never seen anything like that before where uh, most alien movies, even, even I mean, Close Encounters was Spielberg's other attempt at aliens before this, and they were benevol- benevolent and everything, mm-hmm. but we never really got to interact with them at all. They have... The, the sort of the scene at the end and that's about it but this one is one what if they what if one fell to earth and got left behind like like they're an advanced race but they left one of their own behind <laughs> it's like home alone for aliens yeah it really is <laughs> and peaced out too man yeah, they're like man. halfway down the galaxy yeah you know? man um didn't but, do a head count no they sure didn't yeah they did the yeah they did exactly did the home alone thing where they counted somebody twice and they said everybody's good uh but uh but yeah, I, I can't really express how much joy this gave me as a five-year-old to watch this movie. Um, uh, you know, the 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 idea that an alien comes down and then like you know a kid who's not my age, he's a little older than I am at the time, or whatever, but uh, takes him in as a pet essentially and starts you know learning you know learning the responsibility that that is going mm-hmm. to re- require. Um, but uh but yeah it's just it's just really good it's really touching all the way through it and uh you know Henry Thomas is just a, a you don't see very many child actors who pull it out like that mm-hmm. i mean they're really really yeah i know here we go <laughs> i'm the like most perverted guy on this podcast <laughs> yeah. anything sounds vaguely sexual really? and i'm immediately like uh, doing this with my the, fingers the, the Seinfeld there he pulled it out <laughs> yeah. um you could tell where stranger things steals almost directly from this yeah 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 you know i mean taking in a an unknown entity and then forging a relationship with it and using that to kind of go on this adventure um it it, it was really taken out of the pages of it but et man what's cool is seeing kids be capable like Mm -hmm. we were talking about moonrise kingdom yeah where like the kid basically goes on his own way and everything obviously much later than than et but like a 10 year old being able to you know keep this from his mom to be able to uh, interact with him to be able to learn things from him to be able to figure out you know we need to get you home and build all this stuff and all that stuff and uh man who who would have predicted you'd fall in love with an ugly alien like that, you know? <laughs> yeah i think this movie is interesting too because it, 
I believe it came out in an era before the public knew about or cared about product placement, <laughs> right? Because the Reese's Pieces thing is pretty in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody back then was like, they must have paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody was just like, oh, that's a candy I see at the grocery store. So it makes sense they're going to use a real candy here. And I think there's some story about he tried to get M&M's. It's supposed and to be M&M's. Yeah. Um, and they said no. Yeah. Which is, I bet they're loving themselves now, although yeah. it's not like M&M's are hurting. They're like, they're like Spielberg, the guy who directed 1941. Fuck that. Fuck that. I really like E.T., uh, but I just never had that experience. I didn't get to go see it in the theater. I didn't get to see it when I was five or six. It's one of these movies. I think I probably saw it for the first time when I was 12, 13, and I liked it, mm-hmm. but it didn't give me magic the way mm-hmm. watching Back to the Future when I was 10 did. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm not going to find much fault in it. I can't really say anything like Drew Barrymore's terrible in that movie. <laughs> I wasn't doing enough cocaine yet. Yeah. Um, no, I really like it. I think it's really great. I just, I don't have that heart connection to it that you do. And I've only seen Amelie once and mm-hmm. I thought it was really great. So for me, it's almost like picking, you know, hey, which two cousins do you think are the least nerdy? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, what? A, it's a decision I, I don't have much vested in this decision. So it'd almost be a coin flip for me. <laughs> Well, and I mean, for me, it was just all the, for me, it's, you know, the fact that E.T. is like nearly going to die and like there's a bunch yeah. of people who don't know anything about him trying to go in and trying, you know, that they, they consider him like something we need to quarantine the house yeah. and all that other type of stuff. There's that really amazing scene with Henry Thomas and basically what is just a puppet yeah. where he's like, you know, screaming, and crying yeah. and all that. He's so good. And and then the when they're riding their bikes away and everything, I don't know if if a score has moved me more mm-hmm. than when John Williams like E.T. theme kicks in as they as their bikes start flying in the air. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, awesome. I, I mean, I, I mean, E.T. is just a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about it other than that it's great. And if you've never seen it before, you you should definitely. It's almost like uh, it's not in the popular discussion these days of like mm-hmm. the great Spielberg movies, you know, because like, I don't know. I mean, it had the scope, it had the heart and everything, but you just you don't watch, hear it. announce a remake tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know why that is. It could be what Jeremy's talking about. It could be that some people just don't find that it's really that heart tugging at mm-hmm. all. You know, it could be something like that. Um, I have heard over the years some sort of like detraction towards this movie, and I don't know what it <laughs> Fuck is. Fuck ET, right? Well, and I don't know if it has to do with that Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, yeah, that came maybe out so. to, which I also played. I think by it's the actually way. the Mac and Me cult fans, yeah, <laughs> because of Paul Rudd. It's Mac and Me, <laughs> and that's backlash against ET because Mac and Me is a, a better movie in mm-hmm. their opinion, mm-hmm. which it totally isn't. No, <laughs> it is not. What about Flight of the Navigator? Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the last starfighter. Yeah, there's so many movies that tried to do ET and mm-hmm. in some version. Uh, yeah, and ET is really it's still the crown jewel in that you know 80s genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So it goes up against Amelie mm-hmm. and uh, another movie that I find absolutely fantastic. And and I think I said this before when we were talking about Amelie. Uh, I don't know if I've ever fallen in love with a character. Yeah, more than I have with Audrey Tattoo's character in this. 
I mean, Amelie. Um, you know, and it's just one of those movies where it's not afraid to just kind of like, you know, go through her head. And and all the, you know, when she's thinking about stuff, we get to see the film version yep. of it and everything. And, you know, it was like, yeah, Amelie hates. And it goes through <laughs> all the different things that she hates. Like when in movies, they don't look at the road when they're talking. You know? <laughs> and uh, and then she's like, and then she's wondering how many people are having an orgasm right now. And they see like a, like a montage of like everybody oh, like ooh. sighing <laughs> and stuff. And she's like, Kent's. <laughs> um... So it's a it's a funny movie with a great little surprise ending. There's like mm-hmm. sort of this whole thing with, you know, the the mysterious man on the photos. Yes. And uh how she can't solve this one mystery and everything yeah. and it becomes this great thing yeah. by the end of it. And then he's she's pining for this Matthew Kasovitz character and everything all the way through it and they're trying to find a way to like interact and run into this guy and it comes together in such a great magical way. Yeah, I mean you could have this movie be a good movie without with somebody approximating uh, that character, mm-hmm. uh, a different actress. Yeah, but it takes it over the edge because of her performance, um, because it's so well constructed that narratively and like the shots of Paris that you get mm-hmm. in in this movie are just it makes you want to go because it's not typical like oh here's the Eiffel Tower here's the the Louvre and that's it. Like you see the actual Paris, and man, it, it there's an really, actual Paris. There, you know what? It's weird. Nope, it's weird. Nope, fake <laughs> news. no, there's not. That's a, that's a myth. <laughs> man, that's fake news. It's just so pretty, and it's it's pretty, but not in the over glamorized way. Like it's just it, it's it's realistic, which is weird in this fantastical mm, yeah. movie. Uh, but. It's really not like, certainly not like any romantic comedy that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I've only seen this once. I watched it because of our podcast discussion several months mm-hmm. ago, and I was expecting to be charmed, and I was, but I wasn't expecting to be so goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There's so many laughs in this movie, um, and I was just expecting cute. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, I got, you know, came to tears almost a couple of times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just really, really funny. So it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, how are we going to vote on this? You start, you start off. I start one. off, huh? I'm going to go Amelie on Whoa, this one. Really? Yep. Um, I'm not surprised. He raved about it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, you know, I try not to do this recency, latency, whatever you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what it is? The Primacy two? and recency. Primacy bias. and recency. Latency, latency something else <laughs> um the uh but i don't i try not to do this i try to stand back from it because mm. it's easy to say when i was five years old and all the things i felt watching et should mean more than it, what i felt watching amelie i think amelie is is a better film than et is wow um, you're probably right but that's just crazy it, it, hearing. it's crushing to say that uh, right now i'm thinking about that gif of the guy in the boardroom who stands up and runs straight out the window and <laughs> yeah the uh, yeah well uh, yeah the hudsucker proxy where he's like i've had enough of this merry-go-round um but but yeah when I, when i saw this matchup i was immediately got into that sort of headspace uh I mean, if if you want to talk about what's been more impactful as far as 
is me watching movies. E.T. is the mo- movie mm-hmm. that got me into like watching movies mm-hmm. um, and saying these things can be magic and everything like that. And E.T. is a tremendous film and I, I it's hard to pick against it. But yeah. Amelie is so just I mean, there's so much joy to that overall and i think it just barely eclipses et wow nice this is gonna get interesting Mm -hmm. despite everything i've said in the last 10 minutes i'm going et ah um i don't have a strong emotional attachment to either of these movies but et has in my opinion had a much clearer and obvious impact uh socially culturally in the world of film and Mm -hmm. and uh, we talked about how many movies tried to emulate that same magic of uh Friendly aliens yeah. and fun space adventures for kids and whatnot. Um, and so I got to go E.T. Uh, I know things were way different back then, but it's the only movie I've ever seen stay at a movie theater in my town for two straight years. Uh, and that says something. <laughs> yeah, it uh, definitely did. And uh, that thing was fucking popular. Yeah. Uh, so I'm giving it to E.T. and we'll see where Barrett lands on this thing. Well, the main thing is these are two movies that we really recommend and maybe are both underseen. If you can imagine E.T. being underseen. Well, by, by this point, by yeah. now, yeah, yeah, because I mean, back then it was, it became number one all time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it went past everything yeah. when, when, and it was number one for a while. Um, up, I think it was number one until Titanic came out. Oh wow. It was a long time. Yeah, E.T. Was. E. was number one. Um, that's just how weird box office has gotten over the, I mean, 15 years, no records broken. And then since Titanic, it's like everything yeah. been broken. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, you, anybody over 30 is probably going to be like, yeah, you yeah. know, ET was really impactful and all that, but people under 30 may not have yeah, the same exactly. type of deal. You see, it feels like younger people haven't really been exposed to it and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great movie. Well, every generation has their et or whatever mm-hmm. their big movies can be magic kind of movie is mm-hmm. and then everybody that came after us just has a different movie like mm-hmm. that. yeah i mean the the this generation has the maze runner is their et right yeah, oh yeah i'm pretty sure Absolutely. you're right about nothing <laughs> <laughs> i'm picking amelie wow. i can't believe it oh uh, wow. i mean the more i talk about that movie the more it reminds me and i literally just have a smile on my face mm-hmm. because it's it's it is pure joy and it's from Audrey Tattoo's performance. It's from the the script. It's from the way it's shot. I love it, man. That's moving on. I am so surprised. I mean, I wasn't surprised he voted it, but yeah. I'm, su- I'm mostly I'm just surprised ET lost yeah. in the first round. Well, and there are going to be riots in the comments about this. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, this is impossible to. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to really like. Uh, you can't please anybody in this type of situation. <laughs> this is more about the, you know, this is more about what you're thinking at uh, at the time. These two movies are go. What do you want to watch? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I could probably sit here. I could watch E.T. Anomaly back to back and then come back in here and go, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't know. Yeah. yeah. And and so basically we're, we're gunned to our head in this type yeah. of yeah. thing. And we're saying, I'm saying that even though E.T. is... I, like tremendously influential to my life i can't go the vote that way yeah um i have to sit there and weigh them on their merits and i have to say that even though amelie is the way less seen movie it's better than well and it's not fair to et to say this but some aspects of it don't hold up super well Mm. like i mean it is dated like any 
it's maybe the most dated 80s movie in terms of like clothes and cars yeah. and the effects aren't exactly going to blow anyone's mind at this point in time. Uh, and again, that's not super fair because uh, yeah. it was a juggernaut and it deserved to be. And it's the reason Spielberg is Spielberg. Like Close Encounters was good. Yeah. People liked it. I think it might have even been a hit. But E.T. is the reason Spielberg became Spielberg. But mm-hmm. also Close Encounters holds up. Yeah. I mean, it's not not completely like state of the art effects. Right. But, you know, it doesn't take you out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And at times I could see E.T. that may uh may do that yeah um so it's a tough one it rips my heart out on i think on all three of these it's ripped (laughs) my heart out a little bit because it doesn't i mean it doesn't make sense to go against some of these movies you know what i mean Mm. this is it's it's (laughs) <laughs> what, what do we say about that's it? what that's what we're here for though right um, you're tearing me apart yeah Lisa. exactly <laughs> um okay so our uh, final one in the north is la la land versus fargo yeah. talk about recency bias yeah man um and latency bias yes whatever that is <laughs> i invented something there <laughs> i hope i'm gonna google it later. it's gonna I be some, it's something it's it's it, latency something is definitely i think it's a pregnancy term well the latency is a computer term a lot in terms of used with like processing power mm-hmm. and gaps yeah anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad there was a little pause in between man okay let's talk about these movies la la yeah, land and fargo i've um, actually seen fargo more recently than i have seen la la land oh yeah because it came on three days ago mm-hmm. god it's so good yes mm-hmm. it is the tv show is amazing mm-hmm. and captures the tone perfectly but before Fargo had come out, had we ever seen anything close to this? No. Like, I was watching No Country for Old Men a little bit yesterday when, like, the woman that's the manager at the trailer place that Sugar's talking to, she's mm-hmm. like, I can't give out no information. Yeah. And then the clerk at the hotels is like, that's got two double beds. Like, the way the Coens are able to craft these cartoonish sounding and looking <laughs> caricatures that still end up seeming real. Like, I was talking to my wife the other day. And I said, oh, yeah, eh? and I just launched into a whole bunch of Fargoisms, like, hey, Margie. And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, don't ever watch this movie because it's really violent and you'll hate it. But throughout all the violets, all these people are talking with this. God, I love when the cop goes up to that other town and is standing in the street interviewing the guy who's talking about how weird Steve Buscemi looked. Yeah, and yeah. That guy's the manner of speaking is so fucking <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> God, this movie is way better than I remembered, and I remembered it being great. Well, yeah, I actually remember you saying something like the TV show is way better than the movie. I or think something I did like yeah. that, and I was like, "You take that or back." At least, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I think I just said it was better, not way better. Right, but um, um, but uh, yeah, Fargo is one of those movies where there's so many, so many like beautifully working parts together on this roger deacon cinematography is mm. incredible in oh, this oh my god uh carter burwell's uh, score mm-hmm. is unbelievable in this um the cohen's screenplay along with francis mcdormand and steve buscemi and william h macy and basically a star making performance yeah. um you know they they chew into this it's just you know it, and it's and it's their trademark of common people doing criminal things. Mm-hmm. And um, and William H. Macy is just great in this because he I, I don't know. He you you feel for him all the way through this. Yeah. 
he's a sad sack you know like you can see why he was motivated to do this he's totally wrong to do so but you can see why he's motivated to do this um and uh and it's and it's i, I love how you know marge gunderson and this is uh, these names yep. too these yeah. names are even fun <laughs> marge gunderson who's a pregnant cop is uh-huh. going around and trying to solve this thing and she's doing basic police work you know yeah. this isn't like dna mm. and all other type of stuff this is basic police work you know trying to figure out you know uh, it's like it's like it's a uh, shot in the hand. I guess that was a defensive wound. Yeah, you know. Um, I also like right after that he's talking about the plates on the car and it's like DLR. He must have gotten killed before he stopped writing. And she's like, "Don't think I agree with your police work, man." Yeah. <laughs> DLR. I bet we're looking for dealer plates. Um, she does. You know. Well, you grew up in the Midwest. It, it's got a Midwest aesthetic, and mm-hmm. there's it's a different type of breed up there. She's not shocked by anything. No, like anytime, like she sees a corpse and she's just like, oh, well, they're geez. having those bloody case discussions while they're eating the lunch that her husband brought her yeah. right here at her desk, right? Yeah. Like she's not phased by any of it. No. Mm-hmm. And then you can see because she's the most polite and I, I love Midwestern people. I, I love Midwestern people. I love the accent. I love the covered dishes. I love like, <laughs> you know, I, I love their whole like the way that they interact and like they're, they're so polite and, you know, it's just so real all looking in the eye. And but when she gets fucking cross mm-hmm. with Lundegaard, she's like, I got no problem with you, Mr. Lundegaard, but I need to know, you yeah. know, what I need to know. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're darn tootin'. You know, yeah. we can go out to the lot right now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Man, like, I love just that tiny little thing where she's like, I'm going to do my fucking job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be polite about it, but it's going to happen. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's great. Um, And we and, you know, we have these. You know, the dynamic between uh, Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare. And <laughs> yeah. Peter Stormare, this is sort of a star-making performance for him, too. Yeah. And he ha- says nothing, yeah. pretty much, for the entire thing. Um, but, but you know, he, Steve Buscemi's character talks all the time, yeah. and this guy doesn't. And Stormare is just an altogether new kind of frightening that I had ever mm. seen in this. Because he doesn't say anything for a while. And then finally, when he does, you're just like... Yeah, I don't want to cross paths with this guy at <laughs> well, all. He's a psychopath, right? Yeah, he is. And uh, and and the whole scene, the whole scene with the cop pulling him over, oh my god, and everything is the Coens at their very, very best. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, you know it starts off, you know, you're you starts off light. Bashimi's trying to bribe the cop with the like, dollars coming out of the wallet <laughs> while he's showing the driver's license and everything. He's like, he's like, put that back in your pocket, sir. <laughs> and, uh, all right, step out of the vehicle, sir. And uh, and then yeah, it turns bloody. And then just like the, it goes back to the Deacon cinematography and everything. Just the like the the chase scene that goes through here and like the. They, the the car that they chase, there's like these witnesses that go by. Yeah. And he has to turn the car around and you see this car and it just kind of like just disappears. Yeah. And you see Stormare like, you know, what happened to him? And then you see him like, oh, no, yeah. they fell in the ditch. They're yeah. done. Yeah. They're yeah. fucking toast. You know, it's I, I don't know, man. This movie is just uh, phenomenal in every way. I think mm. one of my favorite moments is the absolute pure joy Steve Buscemi has watching that woman run and fall down. Yeah. Never get her back to the cabin. Yeah. That is the best television show he's ever seen in its real life. Like mm-hmm. he's loving that. Yeah. Shit. There's so many little moments like that that make the movie like we even when Stormare or I, I actually don't know which one it is because they're wearing ski masks. But when they go to the house, uh, 
Bill's house to kidnap his wife. She's sitting on the couch. Yeah. She watches a guy with a crowbar and a ski mask walk up yeah. to her plate glass door, <laughs> yeah. and she's just kind of looking at it like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And it's not until he breaks the glass does she realize this is real. <laughs> yeah. I should yeah. freak out. Right. And then that whole scene is freaking hilarious because- they think Buscemi thinks she went out the window and Stormare's just trying to look for some kind of fungal treatment yeah, or something. Yeah, he's like, ungwent. <laughs> yeah, find, <laughs> finds her in the shower. I need ungwent. <laughs> She's running around with a fucking shower curtain on her, running into door frames and shit. God, well, and little yeah, touches make this movie. When you're talking about little touches, you're talking about like, I mean, uh, William H. Macy going through that whole thing before he makes the phone call that his wife is gone. Oh, practicing it. Yeah, yep. he's practicing it and everything. And he's just like, you know, like, I don't know what to do. It's Gene. Uh, but he, darn, I don't know what to do. He goes through like five <laughs> different things and everything. And then finally he calls up. He's like, um, uh, Mr. Lunder. <laughs> and, uh, and then like, um, oh man, I, I just went through like a million scenes in my head there and I don't know which one to go to. Um, oh, the, when he's talking to his father-in-law about the, the park, the parking lot that he got finds. Yeah. And everything, he's expecting so much more money out of that. And he's hoping that he does get that money. He can call off this kidnapping yeah. scheme that he's got. And going. they just say, what's your fee? Yeah. What's your fee? <laughs> he's like, he's like, huh <laughs> he's like well you know it's uh you know we were just wanted to know what your fee was he's like but uh but no i i i was he's he wants all the money this for is him. my deal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah it's just yeah so good yeah yeah all right so what else now oh la la land yeah up against la la land mm -hmm. the movie we voted number one for 2016 with yep. aaron dicer and me basically driving that uh a movie that i think is pure magic Mm -hmm. There's even more backlash today than there was two weeks ago, three weeks ago when we recorded that with Aaron. Yep. Yeah. It just seems it's like the way it is. The Onion did an article reviewing La La Land, and it just seems like I see more posts on Reddit and other places. It's just like, oh, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was all Isn't that Isn't that just an effect, though, of you have a whole bunch of people who want, like, you have this one section of people who watch it before all the accolades, and then they are the ones who drive all this word of mouth. Yeah. And they say, this is great. So now you, I mean, again, and we go back to this again, the word of mouth and the expectation that people go into watching La La Land is completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And now you, now that you have so many people watch it, then yes, you're going to see tons of factions. Of, anything that is popular yeah. has a huge faction of people who hate it. Yeah. I can go out there and probably find a million people who hate Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And, you know, and, or, you know, just name any, like, all-time classic, and there's, like, a million people who probably hate those. Could probably write a whole, like, essay about it. Yeah. Yeah, you can find an angle against it. Uh, because it doesn't, La La Land, by, I mean, by design, it doesn't have the weight of like a moonlight or a Manchester by the sea, right. that kind of thing. And it doesn't need to. Why would you want that in this type of movie? It's a different cat. Like this is uh this movie is not I don't think this movie has anything super deep to say. Mm -hmm. But I, I still think what it has to say is important. But what stays with me on this movie, unlike something like Arrival, where I was thinking about the plot for mm -hmm. days, mm -hmm. talking about it with you guys, with my wife, this one a couple of days after I saw it. I couldn't stop singing these songs. Mm -hmm. yeah. I couldn't stop humming these melodies. And what, what's funny is when I'm watching the movie, I thought I knew the audition song was great. But while I was watching the movie, I didn't I wasn't like bowled over by the music. I wasn't like, holy balls, this music is just amazing and fresh. But it just earwormed into me. I had the exact same experience. And it was like two, two three days later, I walked into the my wife's reading room and I was just like, 
I can't stop listening to these La La songs on YouTube. She's like, I know, I can hear it through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's it's just the more, I mean, just take out the fantasy, fantasy elements of this. I'm not going to say something totally ridiculous here, but mm. I think it's uh, a great representation of a relationship, a, a romantic mm-hmm. relationship. This is, and again, we're spoiling now at this point, this is a, a relationship that's doomed to fail. And uh, because their needs are completely different yeah you know uh he wants to do this big you know uh take jazz back type of thing and yeah. everything and he ends up being in the john legend uh group and everything yep. going against everything that he said he was and uh and and she's like i thought you were this person you're really this person aren't you but it has those you know it i it's not setting up for the happy ending which is something that i'm i'm inclined to uh, these days because everything tries to find that weird like tetris way of getting yeah. things back to normal by the end of it they do offer a cheat by the end of yeah. it by showing what would have happened had mm-hmm. they st- had everything worked the- but that's such a great scene oh yeah and it and by the end of it you realize it's not true and it makes it even more devastating by yeah. the time it's done uh that's why i love la la land this relationship turns on a dime for me i didn't see that coming at least that quickly because it turns on that dinner scene yeah pretty much uh you could see signs of it building up like when she gets pushed out of the way in the crowd when he's up there doing his weird like revenge of the nerds type of Mm. (laughs) thing on the keyboards um but uh yeah i mean once once it goes downhill like it starts accelerating almost Mm -hmm. and then and then you you see like this the foundation that they had of a friendship just come through you know and and save the day ultimately uh the the criticisms of you know that their lives get tidied up she finds all the success in the world he finds exactly what he wanted out of his his work success at least um is you know is valid i think uh you know these are the the top one percent that can get exactly what they want i don't know but, i think go ahead finish your thought but no i mean you're not really paying attention to that you're paying attention to the relationship that's not what i'm saying yeah. like that's the payoff right yeah. isn't that isn't that sort of the sacrifice if if they if he does go if he does if they don't have the uh success and everything then they're still together by the end of right that is that was always what i was going to say is that the, if that's the point is that at, at the mercy of their relationship is the only reason they succeed i think that's what the movie's saying is that if you if you want to succeed as an entertainer out here in hollywood you can make sacrifices mm-hmm. and they're going to be big ones um because like you said it was not compatible for them to both find the success they wanted and still still be together Mm. Um, and this has one of my favorite facial expressions of a long time when he goes to that John Legend rehearsal for the first time and they play like 30 seconds of jazz as he knows it and then the beat comes in and <laughs> Ryan Gosling's face comes up like what? <laughs> have I ever told the story about my band that's very similar to that uh-huh. if I have you cut it out but I'll tell it really briefly because okay but so this was back in like 99 uh, and I was in a Christian rock band, mm-hmm. and we were going to go play at this Christian club, which was basically there's no alcohol, and it's for teens, and they have bean bags and shit, and they bring in <laughs> Christian bands or whatever. So this club says, well, we'll let you play, because they had to listen to our demo, but everybody that plays, we ask to come to our opening Bible study. Have I told you the story on the podcast? Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, fine. And so we go 
an hour before the doors are supposed to open and it's all the staff of I, I guess this church has funded and runs this thing. And so it's like the youth pastor and staff members all come from this church nearby. And some of the youth group members are staff members that sell coffee or T-shirts or whatever. And they're all in this circle of like 25, 30 people of chairs. And he like reads a few scriptures and does a little homily thing. And he's like, well, now let's pray. Now, all four of the guys that were in the band with me, myself included, were pretty much straight ahead Protestant. Mm-hmm. But nothing really fringy about any of the religions that we came from. <laughs> These guys were Pentecostals. Oh, all right. And so he's like, let's pray. And we all bow our heads and hold hands. And they start speaking in tongues. No. I kid you not. And all four of us in the band jerk our heads up and stare at each other like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, I was aware of this practice uh, and there's even scripture about it, but I had never, I'd never been to a church where they spoke tongues. <laughs> and so to me, it was like literally a bunch, 15 people yelling and shouting gibberish. Wow. And it was one, of, but that was the same moment Ryan Gosling had where yeah. this is not what I was expecting. Oh my God. Um, and you know, it's sort of that, uh, that same sort of theme that he was talking about in Whiplash where Miles Teller decides he's not going to have a girlfriend yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. It's brutally kind of, so. Yeah. It kind of makes you wonder if the Damien Chazelle lost a girl to pursuing his art. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, the guy is only in his like He's like 31. Yeah. Gonna be thirty two, I think, this year. I mean, maybe so. You never know, man. <laughs> this guy's a you know, a wonderkind. Yeah. Um, but uh okay, so out of these two movies. <laughs> uh I lost track. Is it me that, that starts? Um no, I no. think we're back around to me now. Because this is the fourth one and yes. I did the first one. Yeah. Fargo. Fargo. Mm. Um yeah almost working against la la land is that whole recency thing Mm -hmm. because i only saw it the one time in theaters it's gonna get shipped to my house as soon as it comes on blu-ray and i'll watch it several times but i won't really know where i come down on that movie officially for maybe another six to twelve months or more Mm -hmm. um and it's the freshest in my mind which makes me kind of back away from it a little bit and look back over at fargo that is perfection mm-hmm. there's laugh there's visceral crime there's good drama um it's just amazing and so i gotta go fargo i'm so i'm sorry i'm a stone <laughs> he was funny looking you know yeah <laughs> what do you, in what way yeah that, like, no, that's one of the great looking. that's one of the great things about fargo is that they sit there through the entire movie and say how funny looking this guy looks <laughs> And by the end of it, he's in a wood chipper. She never sees <laughs> yeah, how, what yeah, that means. You're right, you're and right. I don't know if the Coens meant for that to happen, but it's so funny to me that she never gets to yeah, see what no this guy There's no payoff moment where she's like, he is funny. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't think La La Land is like the artist or the King's Speech or that kind of thing. The, the, the late inning heroics that people dismiss later on. I agree with that. I think this has got real roots and legs. Yes, it is very, very recent, but I have, I'm going to do some prognosticating. I think that in 20 years, this will be considered a classic Mm -hmm. um, because it hits all of those beats. It hits all of the different beats than Fargo, but similar in that it's, it's grounded in reality. It's grounded in relationships. It's got that musical component that you can't separate. um, And it's going to be dug into your brain. Um, at risk, I, I, I love me some Fargo, but I'm going to pick La La Land. Mm, okay. Yeah. 
All gonna right. be a classic. Gonna be classic. Yeah, absolutely. In twenty years, I I I don't disagree with you there. Um, I'm gonna be going Fargo on this though. Fargo. Um, the, yeah. I mean, this is just this is just great movie making. You know, it's just I don't know what else to say. Yeah. About I keep saying that, but it's um, like I said, it's just everybody doing being in harmony together you know there's something about you can say about everything mm. score cinematography directing you know acting yeah. uh, the writing and yeah. everything comes together uh, i know there is the one scene a lot of people get puzzled about when he she runs into the the dude from her high school and everything. oh yeah, yeah yeah and a lot of people and i think we discussed this before in the 1996 podcast um, a lot of people wonder why is that scene in there? And the scene is because afterwards she learns that that guy actually wasn't married. None of that stuff was true that he said at the diner. He stalked the girl that he said he was married to and all that. And it made her think of, you know, Jerry Lundergaard a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's why that scene's in there was because the guy seems like a nice guy, but maybe something doesn't quite add up. Ah. And uh, that's why she goes back and asks for a lot count and all that. And mm. that's where the, the whole thing goes. <laughs> he around. drives off the lot. Yeah. She like looks <laughs> yeah. over and sees him. Yeah. He's, he's fleeing the scene. He's, he's fleeing <laughs> the interview. He's fleeing the interview. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Fargo here. And you may be very well, very well correct in like 20 years or something. You know, when if we were to redo this. Let's maybe, just do this in 20 years. Maybe we should. Yeah. I well, I'll be in like I'm space reluctant pods. to lock myself into anything that far in, mm, in advance. Yeah. <laughs> Clear there, your calendar. In fact, there might not be a 20 years from now. <laughs> Did you think about that? All the time. Um, okay, so <laughs> the the first round of the North region is done. Um, wow. So Some good matchups. So let's let's go over the matchups. And by the way, we're not trying to do this. No, no, we're I mean, not this trying is just... to break this up into like yeah. a, a bunch of. It's just the way it's falling. Yep. We're gonna basically play this by ear as far as time wise, and we're gonna try to make it two hours each time. We're not gonna go three or four hours into a, an episode. I just want to make that clear. We're not trying to yeah. make this where it's broken up like this. Mm -hmm. I am. <laughs> Jeremy is, but Barrett and I are not. Um. Anyway, at, at, in the North region uh, of the first round, we have Jaws and Fargo Ooh. going up against each other now. Mm. Um. Mm. Wood chipper versus a uh, killer shark. That's right. That's right. Um. Then we have another tough one here: Shawshank Redemption versus Sideways. Oh. Um, oh those are I'm the two cry. things that have bored into your soul. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Why uh, did we do this? You are executing your soul. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have and then and then try watching these movies back to back: Gone Baby Gone and Silence of the Lambs go up against each other. Um. And then finally, we have two very different <laughs> movies in Amelie versus Die Hard. Oh, my God. Um, in the first round. Second round? First round. In the second round. Yeah. Uh, those are the winners out of the first round. They are now going up against each other. Those should be some interesting yeah. things, too. The other thing about this, too, is once we get into the second round and everything, I don't think we need to talk about these movies yep. as much uh anymore so like we can go, go over some good points here and there and whatever and then just go right into the voting yep. i think these first rounds are definitely going to be our longer things so. the second and third and fourth rounds are more about the matchup i think than the movies itself you yeah know? should we go into questions we should go into questions let's do it question question i got something to say i want the 
truth. I'm listening. Alrighty, which three versions of any actor or actress do you want with you when trapped on an island for the rest of your life, and why? All three have to be the same actor or actress, but they have to be uh, from different movies. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is. I I don't know. The more detailed and weird the questions get, the more I kind of enjoy them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, like this is this is a pretty goofy ass question. Yes, it is. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. Um, I've got a I've got a, a man and a woman for this one. Oh, at the oh. same time. That's right, man. Two. I tell you what, I do, man. Two chicks at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um so so my guy is gonna be paul rudd oh Uh, interesting you're talking about somebody who'd be fun on on a deserted island it would be paul rudd and i've got three different right first i was a little worried about this pick because i was like because paul rudd a lot of times will play some of the same kind of characters Mm -hmm. and everything or or you know whatever so basically the same guy but he's played three distinct different dudes before and i would say in forgetting sarah marshall where he's a goofball nice total goofball you know uh he can surf too you're on an island surf that's another thing he can teach me how to surf do less well maybe not teach me (laughs) considering what he does with jason siegel and forgetting sarah marshall um and also probably has weed and i'm not a big weed person <laughs> you're on an island man i'm on an island though Whatever you on a, desert, a deserted island is a weed person at least that's yeah, a fact that's right um then i have him in i love you man oh, nice. oh. um where he is it, it's it, it's really funny his character in this movie because he's just so awkward and he's more comfortable with women than he is with <laughs> men you know like uh, just talking about just general talking and discussion, you know, mm. and he's and all, and all through it, he's just trying to find this perfect mate, basically, as a man. Uh, I know you assholes aren't in the rush, but I'm in the rush. Yep. And uh, and he is in the rush in this. And I would I, we would be able to uh, slap the bass with each other <laughs> and it would be awesome because we could talk about all the great rush albums that you guys fucking thumb your nose at. And um, but you can also, rush it out. out that's there, right. Man. Man. You get your own island. That's right. Who rush gives the a fuck? fuck out of that? We, island. Yeah, man. We get. Yeah. And then uh, he's just he's, you know, like I say, he's lovably naive and silly yeah. and everything in this movie. Uh, I also have him in role models. Now he's a he's a dickhead in role yeah. models, but he but once he uh, is a you know a, a big brother to Christopher Mintz Plus in this movie, he learns a lesson and mm-hmm. uh, he gets Elizabeth Banks by the end after mm-hmm. he lost her and everything. He learns a lesson and he turns into a good guy. And I and you know what? There's a lot of that type of Paul Rudd and a lot of us in this room nitpicking the fucking venti <laughs> shit at the at the Starbucks and everything you know um, the and even still being wrong about it he's still a dick about it um, so yeah I would uh, that's the the three Paul Rudds yeah you got a lot of time for LARPing on a deserted island too yeah so. totally that's right um, as far as my woman is going to be this <laughs> Yeah. Your women. Know, really gotta pull her by the hair and drag her onto this deserted island uh but no for se- seriously jessica chastain Ooh, oh all right um jessica chastain i think is uh i i underrated as far as looks are concerned like is she really i think, I think she's she- freaking gorgeous i think she is too but i think i don't think you think of her immediately when you say name a sexy actress yeah yeah 
But for me, she is because because she always plays smart characters. Mm -hmm. And in Zero Dark Thirty, super determined, super, just super smart. And like just to, I mean, think about all the stuff she has to go through in Zero Dark Thirty. You want somebody like that on your side. I also have, I mean, two similar ones, but they're different. The Martian, she's a born leader in The Martian. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love the fact that she's essentially by the book, but then she makes the decision to be like, we got to do, we got to go against NASA. We could possibly go to jail for this. Yeah. You know, we got to go save Matt Damon. Um, NASA jail, which is the that's worst. Right. NASA jail. No, she's military. They would court martial. Oh, she says. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Sorry. then, and then Interstellar, also <laughs> super smart in that movie. Um, but, you know, I mean, you want to have somebody like that on your side. And then, you know, and if I were lucky enough, <laughs> you know, maybe she's attracted to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, but if, but if as she's the not, days go by, but if she's you're going to get more and more. But trouble. look, if she's not, at least I can have a conversation with her. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, at least one. Nice. At least oh. one conversation. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to do Scarlett Johansson three ways. Right. <laughs> I'm not inappropriate for for making a reaction to yeah. that. You said that intentionally. Yeah, I think I think he did too. Listen, Scarlett Johansson is almost sneakily broad in the way that she's built her career up. Because when she first started, she was this ingenue. It was the ghost world. It was lost in translation. It was, you know, these just kind of downtrodden, curious characters and everything. Mm-hmm. Now she's turned into a, a very diverse actress, I think. And uh, I think... It would be awesome to have her on an island for for three, three different ones. First of all, the Lost in Translation, uh, Scarlett Johansson. So she is just curious in this movie Mm -hmm. and just like endlessly fascinated by things. She's quiet. It's muted. uh, But she's got this wonderful spirit that comes out when she meets Bill Murray. And she's just kind of, you know, able to kind of explore that when she's not able to with her husband. Um, so being on an island with that type of person, wanting to go out and explore, wanting to figure out, you know, what our environment is Mm -hmm. and a terrific conversationalist apparently too. Um, she can keep herself busy if she's bored and maybe she could teach me how to do that too. And, uh, I think she'd just be fascinating, warm and a lot of fun to be with. Oh yeah. Uh, So that's, that's my first Johansson. My second Johansson is Black Widow. Mm. from the Avengers and from any Captain America and from whatever else Marvel thing they're going to throw up. Yep. Uh, She's obviously a badass. Yeah. And a smart badass and a clever badass and a funny badass. Mm -hmm. She shows some heart in Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. And she'd just be a lot of fun to be with. If there were a pirate ship that came around our waters, she could probably fuck those pirates up. Yeah. Steal their ship. We'd have a ship. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she would be able to run that ship. I mean, this woman can do anything, basically. Yeah. She's tied up in like the whole thing, and she get to you with the kickflips and the tights and the things. Okay, so that's my second Johansson. My third Johansson is the Vicky Christina Barcelona. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, She's free spirited. She's wild. Um, she's into art and philosophy and music and things like that. So there's an endless amount of things to talk about with her. Uh, she's also very curious, but in a different way. I don't mean that sexually, but like in a different kind of like, uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting being in a Woody Allen movie versus being in a Sofia Coppola movie. One is much more cerebral and one is more like, you know, emotional. 
And you get kind of both sides of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good stuff. That's, That's some a good, good Johansoning. That's a good call. Yeah. Is it my turn? Yeah, man. I'm going to do Matt Damon. Yeah, I'm fucking you are. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want the Damon from Bourne because yeah. there's not much he couldn't protect me from or build for me. You know, or rig up like a shark shows. He's just gonna punch that thing. If you get a rogue monkey that comes after you, monkey problem, problem solved. solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also went to the Martian because uh, mm-hmm. he's has a stubborn will to live. Really, honestly, we could hang out with everybody in the Martian, <laughs> right? Everybody except Teddy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's super wicked smart. He can grow plants on fucking Mars. Yeah. So he could, you know, if I'm getting bored with the vegetation on the island, I'll be like, hey, grow me up some habaneros or something. <laughs> you know, I bet you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want Matt Damon from The Informant as the third yeah. one, because that's just endless. Inter- he knows so much trivial shit about the entire world, and he never shuts up spewing these factoids, and he says it with this really pleasant voice, uh, and I think that would be entertaining. Good God. You know what? I would love to be able to film this. Matt Damon playing those three characters on a deserted island, playing the informant, playing Mark Watney, and playing Jason Bourne. They like drive each other crazy. Yeah. Um, it would, I mean, cause yeah, you'd have the badass serious born probably would like go off in the woods somewhere and just be like waiting. Just, yeah, you guys tell me if there's anything, you know, any- be bare knuckle boxing with the wildlife. <laughs> right. Whereas, you know, informant Matt Damon would be sitting there going, you know, like, like, uh, you know that they sell panties in, 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 in vending machines. That's not okay. You know, <laughs> you can just see the born Damon come out like shirtless with a wild boar on his shoulders just throw it on the sand and then go back into yeah, the fucking woods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so that's going to be the syncast for this week uh keep going to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts yeah this is fun we've been uh people people are liking this bracket idea i hope you still like it because now we're you know elbow deep in there we have and we're, shed uh, some blood yeah <laughs> it's true i'm really uncomfortable with the last two statements made by you guys <laughs> we are elbow deep in there and we have shed some blood where where are you elbow deep i'm just saying that's a, that sounds like a phrase that comes from the, like the porn industry i'm elbow deep what what are you ever elbow deep in right now all i'm thinking is that movie where matthew perry has to like was it Matthew Perry has to give an orgasm to a cow by sticking his hand in the oh, back? I don't oh, remember that. I, I was not aware of that one. Well, and but the, I was talking about like if you're doing dishes and like you're you're getting in there in the sink and you're elbow deep in like dishwater. Great, make me look like the pervert. <laughs> well, and the band Tool was famously elbow deep within the borderline um, uh, in that one song. Um, so they were elbow deep. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, keep coming on the SoundCloud and uh, telling us. We're pretty sure this is going to cause internal debates on the actual comments as well, uh, where people will be like, no, sideways is better. No, LA Confidential is better. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what it's for. Have have a, right. have a healthy conversation about this type of that's stuff. Right. Uh, but uh, that'll be it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube. Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.
like that cabin in the woods script. Yeah, that shit's tight. I love that movie. <laughs> my my favorite part because I like I was looking at that big board. Oh, and they've they, got, there's no way they could have them all. No, well they've got like demons and like witches and all this stuff. And then there's under like the angry molesting tree, they've got <laughs> they've just got Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Everyone knows the horrors of Kevin, but nobody selected him. Yeah. I don't think. Also, Drew Goddard is like no. attached to the Batman thing now, no, like writing it. Deadpool two. Deadpool two. Yeah, yeah. But Matt Reeves is back on Batman now. Nice. Officially. Nice. Ben Affleck even tweeted about it. Oh yeah. Ooh. So I'm I, I can be optimistic about the next Batman movie with him as the director and if Ben's going to stay involved. Matt Reeves did Cloverfield too, didn't he? Cloverfield, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Upcoming War of the Planet of the Apes, and then I think some television before all that. Yeah, with for that. all the things that are going wrong in Hollywood, they get some of those things right. Mm-hmm. And those once you get those directors on those type of movies, then there's a better chance of it being good. Than Does it ever DC was. have like a Kevin Feige type of guy, like a yeah, like an but overlord? he's but he yeah, I don't know who he is, but he yeah, but not like him. Oh yeah, so it, yeah, you don't necessarily have to fit it into the. I don't know if they want to fit it into the I DC. Think, I think they just wanted to catch up immediately to Disney without yeah. doing any of the legwork. Yeah. And they're not. Did you see today? They're gonna do a Nightwing movie, and yeah. it's a live action from the Lego Batman director. I could get down on that. Man, did you see that cockpit of the Millennium Falcon picture of all the cast of the young Han Solo and and Miller and Lord are in there, too? And I I didn't know what they look like. And I don't know. uh, I mean, other than the Game of Thrones chick that's in this, I don't know too many of these actors. Donald Glover, I know. So I didn't know who was an actor and who was the directors. Uh They look like children. Oh, really? Have you ever seen them? No. They're in their 30s, early 30s, I think. But they look like 22 year olds. Because I looked at that and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) What was funny is I made that joke in Trolls about, uh, because all that, all the songs in there were like 80s power ballads in Trolls. And so I was looking, I was like, man, it's like somebody in their 40s wrote this thing for thinking this is what kids want. And I looked it up, they're both 47 years old. They also probably wrote it like 15 years ago when (laughs) Trolls were actually popular. (laughs) Hey, these Troll dolls, man, we could do something with that. Yeah. Telling you, I didn't even know until I saw that script. I just thought it was somebody created a bunch of uh, like a species of troll. I didn't know. I hadn't seen trailers for it. <laughs> for real, fucking trolls, man. Maybe there's one of those Star Trek: The Next Generation rifts in the space-time continuum, and your two computers are looking at the document from separate points. In time. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> you obviously don't watch enough The Next Generation, then. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I I've seen I've seen I've seen a lot a lot of it. It's always a rift. <laughs> Or a <laughs> temporal distortion, or you know, it's like always well, the least sciencey sounding thing, <laughs> but it's coming out of Data's mouth. So you're like, well, okay, I'll buy, buy that. Let's you know, call it a I think, rift. I think Next Generation. I've seen most of the great episodes, yeah, and I haven't seen much of the other ones. Yeah, like people tell me this is a great one, and I've watched those. Yeah, so I've seen like most of the Q episodes, and I've seen. Yeah. Uh, the you know the the Borg one at the the season finale and uh, the one where they keep going back and like they keep going through that loop. Yeah, yeah, I that was a, on just the other day. That's a great one. That is a great one. Um, and again, Data's the one that figures it out. Yep, because yep. he sees the three pins on Riker's insignia. So yeah, Chris mm. Chris McKay did Lego Batman movie, and his uh, earlier claim to fame was Robot Chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that, and that's almost like the only thing that he did. Almost, right? yeah. And uh, yeah, so but you can see a little bit of that in Lego Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also, yeah, I mean, yeah, moral oral. If you ever saw that on Adult Swim, the real mm. fucked. What was, what was the religious show that had the claymation? Uh, do you remember? Oh, oh you're talking about Gumby huh? and kind of like that. It, it wasn't Gumby though. It was sort of like. Um, joshua and the blah 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 whatever i think i know what you're talking you know about. what i mean yeah, yeah. well moral oral was a takeoff on that and it was fucked up because it was an adult swim um but it was funny as hell too and nobody watched it it was like i mean maybe two or three seasons it's a it's a very beloved but very little seen show and yeah. he was on that too i feel like i should watch more of that stuff but it's fun, man. Like if you're just trying to conk out for mm-hmm. the night, you know, that's like, you know, they have the double family guy and then it's mm-hmm. like, then it gets into like Aqua Teen Hunger Force and uh, still playing those, even though I think those, they canceled that like a couple years ago. Mm. Uh, but now they're playing a bunch of like really weird shit. The Eric Andre show is about as fucking absurd as it gets. Yeah. I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. If you are high, which every once in a while, like over the last five years I've watched a while high. It's almost terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like they know how fucked up you are. <laughs> right. They're like, here you go, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take this up a notch. Absolutely. You just wanted to see if Winona Ryder was in all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, she's in the fourth one, not the third <laughs> one. <laughs> the third one's the all, all men prison colony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the she, rock like, and. Uh, I regret nothing. Well, jumps and in the fire. They, yeah, they say basically right off the bat that this isn't going to be good because they can't have any weapons in the prison. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going down on this bracket if we're doing I'm going down on it (laughs) I love this bracket immediately immediately um 